I am deaf. I'm a little bit deaf. I'm going deaf. There's no question about that. I look at the uh, the knobs over here mm-hmm. uh, for our microphones mm-hmm. and for our head headphones. You looking at my channel one over here? The uh, first so one, so your right channel here. one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's see. The main is turned up to about seventy five percent. So that controls all four of the headphone outputs, uh-huh. right? For our guests, and then you can dial in your own headphone and your channel one, and I'm channel two. And your channel one is about sixty percent, and my channel two is about forty percent. Yeah, yeah, it sucks <laughs> for me. Yeah, <laughs> but the problem for me is I can never tell if it's you're you're going deaf from being a radio for so long, mm-hmm. or it's just because you can't multitask. No, no, it's deaf. Okay, it's deaf. Well, I mean, I have a little I tinnitus. Mean, I have an old I have an old beagle that mm-hmm. doesn't listen, and I have to go. And then she'll look at that like, actually hurt. That hurt your ears, so, yeah, because it turned up so high. Yeah, but it got your attention, didn't it? It did. Oh, I'm gonna start using. But that. I was looking at you. Speaking of my beagle, mm-hmm. she uh, killed a uh, rat in the backyard. Uh, yeah, I was taking down. We have this uh, wall covered in ivy. Mm-hmm. About 50 years of ivy. No, no joke. I mean, it was like pulling back the layers of mm-hmm. like four inch thick tree trunks that were mm-hmm. growing along the wall. So I've been doing that for about uh, let's see, eight hours a day for about three days now. Yeah, and uh, my dog was hanging out the wall in this one spot all day long, all night long, in the backyard just and hanging like, out. what are you doing? Sniffing the wall, sitting at the wall, So you knew there was the something wall. there, but yeah. whatever. I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. So I finally get to that point, and the way you have to cut it down, right? Is this the truck show, by the way? It is. Okay. But, but all this stuff went in the back of a truck to the dump, so there you go. There's okay. My, there's my truck tie <laughs> So I've got this, like, carpet growing on my, uh, on my wall. Yeah. And so you do vertical cuts. And then you cut along the top and do another vertical cut. Sure, and you peel I, I, it down. I, my father had ivy in his backyard, okay, and that was one horrible. of my tasks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Paint the house, cut the ivy. And oh then my if you God. cut the bottom, it comes out in a big sheet of carpet or a big, you know, square. It looks like it should be the uh, thatched roof on your adobe house on the prairie or something right, like that. Right, right. Pulling off like five by five sheets of it was ivy. Uh, Lou Ferrigno's uh, pubic hair, yeah, right? It was, it was it was very green, <laughs> and uh, and and woody. <laughs> right. uh, so anyway, I, I looked down and the beagles at my feet. I'm mm-hmm. like, what are, what are you doing? Giant freaking rat in her mouth. Oh. Has a tail that's like 10 inches long. Oh. And it's just laying there. She's just looking at me, wagging her tail real slow. Like, yeah, wait, like, just waiting for me. Just like, look what and I did. She's like 11 or 12 years old. She's an old beagle. And yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, good good job there, Mouser. <laughs> Interesting. So I pulled up and under my monster truck uh, last night. A uh, family of kittens. Uh, n- no. Oh. A raccoon about oh, dude, those two, are and mean. A, about two and a half feet long. Uh, were you and Matt Felderman from AAV's backyard? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I was in freaking Long Beach in <laughs> suburbia. And why there was a giant raccoon under my truck was odd. Uh-huh. And it was- I, Was I, it, it rabid? I don't know. Did it chase you? It did not. Did you run anyway? No. Okay. I was, so I pull up, trucks are, and I thought, oh, it's a cat. And then I look closer, I go, that's way it's too big for a cat. looking cat. Well, it was looking, all I could see is a reflection of the eyes, uh-huh. right? Because I had my you know headlights right okay, at Okay, you're it. bearing the headline. Why were you looking under your truck in the first place? Wasn't. I Oh, because I wasn't driving the truck. But don't you have your car cover on it? I have. Yeah, but the car cover goes to just beneath the bumpers and about so, midline on the wheels. Okay, so you were dry, pulling up. I was pulling up. In the headlights. Uh, yeah, so here's the thing. My truck is in the front of the house. Then I got the wife's car. Then my kid's new car. And then I'm, I've am i got no place to park. So you're not allowed I'm, to park in the house now anymore. Now I'm in front of the, the neighbor's house. Which no, I, you're you know, at that donut shop down the street that has cronuts. <laughs> oh, well, that, <laughs> that, are so that's true. Good. By the way, it's a croissant donut. It's just, it's a thing. It's no, no, people amazing. know about cronuts. I okay. think cronuts are huge. Yeah. And so I pull up, I park in front of my neighbor's house, and my headlights are going straight in front, uh-huh. and my, my custom California car cover uh-huh. that is hanging like a giant drape all the way around uh-huh. the truck, except it leaves about a foot, right? And I see these two things staring back at me, looking back towards the rear bumper of the truck, and I thought, oh, that's a weird cat. And it was a, <laughs> it was and then it moves, and I go, that is a, that's a raccoon. 
What's a raccoon doing in Long Beach? No, they're all over the right? place. No, yeah. obviously. I mean, people are going to go, duh, of course, lightning. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get it, but I, I haven't Was that my one... voice, by the way? Is, was, that, is that how you were saying? It was, oh, duh, lightning. <laughs> is that how it, it sound like? It was everyone right now in their car going, oh, duh, lightning. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And and so I get out, and uh, he he just moseys past me. No big deal. Like, I got So this. it wasn't like that one lady in that uh, video that went viral where the cougar ran past her on the bridge? No. Nothing like that. <laughs> okay. I get out of my car and he just strolls like 15 feet in front of me over towards the neighbor's driveway and, that I'm kind of parked in front of. And I go in the house. I get a flashlight. I go, kids, kids, look at this. And I, I walk back and I shine the light down the driveway, this long driveway in my neighbor's house. And it just stares back at me. Didn't even move. Didn't care. My kids are like, oh yeah, we see him. He hangs out here. I go, what? <laughs> We lived here for how long? And I've never seen this raccoon. He's oh, huge. Dude, that means you're not home enough. Yeah. Your kids mm. know more about the neighborhood than you do. That's sadly true. Ugh. Sadly true. This is Lightning Speaking. He's home and it's the Truck Show Podcast episode what? This is 47. Oh, dear Lord. And it's the last one of the year. Is this one airing this year? Yes. This one is uh, the New Year's Eve episode going in. So, hey, Happy New Year! Oh, and you know what I'm so excited about in the What's New Year? What's that? We have Nissan as our presenting sponsor. Oh, they haven't left us yet. They haven't left us. Well, because they're like, they couldn't kill us with a fruitcake. <laughs> Was that why they were on? <gasps> they were trying oh. to get out of the contract because they hate the truck show podcast. <laughs> they tried to kill us. They don't want a lawsuit, you know, from our families. We'll be dead. They well, that would be hilarious. Can you mention the press? Oh. You think the first round of press they got with, a, with those uh, the damn fruitcakes was a lot? <laughs> they killed two podcasters with a fruitcake. Let's cake. go buy a truck. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have... Our associate sponsor, Dact, is continuing with us in the uh, new year. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and we, we love those guys so much. You know, if, if you're looking for the best warranty in the business, five-year, 100,000 miles, look no further than Nissan. Uh, they've got a bevy of trucks for you to choose from and vans. And then if you're looking for a lockable, amazing storage solution, it's decked. We've talked about this before, like, hey, we've got a lot of show, but this one's a lot. We're starting off 2019, like, right. How, what's I see that list. It's like <laughs> it's like 30 lines long in your paper there. Oh, dude, we have seriously so much stuff. We've got uh, a bunch of bro trucks who made a bunch of uh, electric car drivers mad. Mm, excited uh, about that. And then we're also going to talk a little bit more about uh, electric electric vehicles, electrified trucks, electrified SUVs, okay. all electric trucks. Okay. Uh, we've got a new segment. Oh, we do? Yeah. Absolutely right. Uh, and and it, can I give you a teaser? Sure. That's it. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, we also have a five-star hotline. We do indeed. We've got uh, Inbox. We've got Truck Reviews. We've got we What's just, Can we start the show right now? Change we'll of Innovate Designs. We've got the top five episodes of the year. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck with the truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show oh, oh. it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and Holman. I'm not sure how much we add to that to this intro. What by singing along? Uh, we add two more voices. Hello. We do. Duh, lightning. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> See what you did? Okay. Uh, so on the way in, um, I was looking at. Uh, no, no. That's. Are you lying already? Well, you're already not, starting the show as a big fat liar. Uh, this is our first show of the new year and the last show of the old I year. I won't lie. I won't lie. Okay. I was sitting in traffic and I was checking my Instagram. Mwah, mwah, I mean, you're not supposed to do that, and I shouldn't have done right. it. All right. And, and I, you're usually pretty good about that because uh, when I call you, you're like, hey, Siri, 
tell Holman, period, comma, do this. And then she's like, tell Holman to go swimming upside down. It doesn't translate very well. At all. Every time. It always uh, does me wrong all the time. And I came across, um, remember Chase Carroll? He is our animator. He's, he's, he does renderings. Innovative, uh, innovate Design Labs. Correct. Well, so I'm flipping through my Instagram as I'm sitting, sitting at a red light, as you're not supposed to do. Because then you end up sitting there too long, and then the guy behind you honks. You know what I mean? You were that guy? I didn't I didn't stay there long enough, but that's typically okay. what happens. Right. I was worried you were that guy. I wasn't that guy. No, I, I do, okay. I, I'm super anal about that. But I flip through, and I see a 2020 Chevy HD lifted wheels tires badass i'm flipping through going wait wait wait. i go what they're not what the- was it a rendering yes because i actually saw a 2020 chevy hd in person and so, then touched it you're the only one and then may have um i don't think i can say it yet then uh, don't say it i can't okay. uh i can but you did something with the vehicle uh, we did some stuff and i saw it and are, it was we on my to, are we going to be able to talk about it? At Sean P. Holman or so, at, at Truck Show Podcast. May, oh, well, the, some of you who are listening may already know this, that we posted, we reposted some of your photos yes. when you were doing the doing thing that st- I was thinking yeah. with the truck in the, in right. the, yeah. Yeah, so there's an embargo date, which means that he's not February. allowed to talk, right. Yeah, so you're not allowed to talk about certain things, but I, we can leak s- I some can news. I talk about, I can't talk about driving impressions. I can't talk about anything really functional about it. Okay. I can probably talk about the design a little bit and what my it's already thoughts out there. were, right? Because pictures have been released. Yeah. So you yeah. posted a photo of a Corvette, <laughs> and then we said, "Oh, what an awesome Corvette!" <laughs> dot dot dot. Oh, what's that behind the Corvette? <laughs> you know, what's and funny it was is the 2020 Chevy HD. There were a ton of people. Through. This is how you know people don't actually read or look at the photo; they just scroll through mm-hmm. because it was a it's a dark color, it's like a root beer color truck. And it was behind a bright red Corvette. And I'm like, what guys, you know, truck guys or not, what guys doesn't love a, a Corvette? And then I had the HD in the background. Right. Just waiting, just baiting, just baiting the yes. internet. Right. And people are like, dude, awesome Corvette. Oh, my dad has one. Oh, I love driving Corvettes. And I'm like. And they missed the truck and, in the background. And I think I texted you. I'm like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not. So I took the post and I threw it up on uh L5P Duramaxes only and uh, another, a couple other Duramax Facebook groups, and they went ballistic in uh, minutes. Did you send them the pictures I took of the mirrors? Because those are the only fro- close-up um, pictures of the mirrors that are, that are even those, out Those – no, I guess I didn't. Because that – But people picked up on friend, the mirrors yeah. instantly. They had beefs with And the there's mirrors. a whole bunch of memes with that, and, and it's, it's pretty funny. But I, I posted the very first pictures of the mirrors, which were like a very controversial topic. Well, the grill is the most controversial. Uh, you know? Well, on the lower trim level, I actually really liked it. In on the, the high country. High country. I, yeah. I thought it was a great looking truck in person. Very imposing. Just the proportions, the size, a lot of really neat things. Is this like, a truck review right now? I don't know. Are we getting into this now? I, well, this isn't really a truck review because we're not reviewing. This is more like uh, maybe what's new in trucks. Mm. But we're early. Yeah. Can we come back to this later? Let's come back to this later. Because okay. I think right now what we need to do is talk to Chase. Probably need to call Because Chase. he's the first one that's actually got a rendering that looks like the real truck. So I think he's covered it from 360 degrees. And there's a lot of the truck we haven't seen all the way around, have we? Um, I have. I know you have. The general public. Uh, I don't. Yes, they did. They did post a rear three-quarter shot. Okay. Yes. So let's, let's dial up Chase for a second. All right. Hello, Mr. Chase Carroll, Lightning Home and Truck Show Podcast. What's up, dude? How are y'all? We are good. We're 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 outstanding. We were just talking about the uh, 2020 Chevy HD and how Holman is the first 
well, you're the first journalist and maybe the first uh, person that doesn't work at GM to actually see the vehicle close up. Can I? Me and a couple people. You and a couple uh, K- people. KJ Jones was with me. Uh, KJ from Diesel Power. Yeah. And Jason Gonderman from uh, Truck Trend. We all went out and got to touch the truck together. Got it. Okay. So he, I haven't seen it. He's one. So we're not going to count him. The rest of the world has not seen this truck except for photos that got posted on the internet. You took the original releases that GM kind of leaked out weeks ago and turned them into renderings. And your renderings look like the real truck and they're jaw dropping. And I want to talk about that process and what happened because on the way to the show, I was flipping through Instagram and saw the one you posted about an hour ago of the lifted 2020 HD. And how did you bust that rendering out so fast? And why does it look exactly like the real truck before we saw the real truck? (laughs) I I appreciate that. So actually what happened, um, I think it was about, two or two and a half weeks ago when GM released um, the photos of the 2020 uh, 2500, we started modeling immediately from the reference photos. Um, So what we did is we took that image and we just created a 3D model based on those images. That way that we could have, you know, a full model that we could render and take a video on so that the video that you saw uh, about an hour ago was actually the video of our 3D model. Uh, that was this is actually, to my knowledge, the first video of the 2020 uh, 2500 HD that's been posted. <laughs> but it's not. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Like it is, but it's not right, really. Yeah, right. If but here's the problem: is that you freaking you're you're blurring the lines. Like it's because you, it, it's photorealistic. We've yes. talked about this before. Last time we had Chase on, and we we're like. Dude, sometimes I have to. I'm not sure if it's a real truck or not. Like I Here's have to. The problem tip. here's. I don't know how I feel about Chase because he, <laughs> Chase is the guy that's making the cyber woman. So I won't need to have a girlfriend or get married. I'll just put on my goggles and I'm going to wrap the thing around my groin, and I'm not going to ever need a woman. Well, let's you be honest. Let's be honest. For your situation, mm-hmm. probably okay. You're right. Probably better for you. <laughs> I mean, my wife doesn't know this, but here's Look, the before thing. Before we about- get super creepy and offline, <laughs> the, I think the real thing here is that you you are contemplating kidnapping Chase and having him do renderings in your basement yes. just so you can pretend to have cool trucks. Let's not talk about this on, on this particular episode. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll circle back. Sorry, Chase. Didn't mean to creep you out, buddy. So what exactly... Uh, yeah, it's the first video of the 2020 Chevy HD. And what's Correct. the response been? Uh, it's been great. Um, we actually... Uh, the last time I checked, we were... Um, it was almost getting close to 10,000 views in just under an hour. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it was, it was the way Hey, next time you do one of those, Chase, can you do me a favor? Tag us. Yeah, just throw a Truck Show Podcast sticker <laughs> on the uh, on the back window or something. Yeah, I mean, I've got oh, the Illustrator sure. file. You know what I mean? I, I could throw you a little vector file. You yeah. can throw it up there. Nobody would know. Yeah, just, just, just a little wink and a nod for us. That's all. Oh, exactly. We're not asking too much, Chase. Come on. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if you do that for us, Lightning may not kidnap you sooner. That's right. Uh, You know what? I'll still kidnap him. I just won't use chloroform. You know what I mean? I'll just hog time. It's a little less. In the rendition van, you're going to come by with pillowcase? (gasps) Oh, my God. I'm going to have him do a rendering of the van that I'm going to mug him in. Oh, that would be funny. (laughs) He'll be walking down the street, and he'll look over his shoulder and go, I've seen that van before. (laughs) I drew that van. Oh, what? that's the movie. That's the movie plot where the guy draws the van. that And then eventually it's his... His he gets demise. Abducted, yeah, yeah, he gets abducted like, in the van that he drew. Oh, oh you're screwed, Chase. 
And on the side, it'll say fr- free podcasts. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, congratulations on the rendering. Your Instagram, give it, uh, give the handle out for everybody so they can see the photo that we're talking about. For sure. The uh, the Instagram is at innovate with the number eight uh, design lab. Uh, we also have a Facebook page at innovate design lab. And we just started our YouTube channel um, where you can check out exclusive videos um, and sneak peeks of videos that we're going to release. So we actually released the 2020 uh, video an hour and a half prior to us releasing it um, to our following on Instagram. So a few perks if you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well um, at Innovate Design Lab. So I have, a, I have a quick question. When you So obviously you're going off of photos that General Motors released. Now Correct. we know the cab is the same cab as the 1500. So are you able to render everything by scanning it in some way and then matching the proportions and dimensions to what we already know about the 1500? Is that why it's so accurate? Um, so what we actually did is we, we did use the 1500 as a base, and then we modeled the front end um, and the bed separately. Um, and then we scaled the 1500 up just to just a little bit to give it a little bit of a, a beefier 2500 look. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, That's how we go about it. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Chase. Well, here's the problem. Here's what's happening to Chase right before our eyes. So, you know, I found Chase, and he, he got a little bump in notoriety, as we talked about a couple but of But it wasn't from back. you. It wasn't from me. <laughs> from, uh, it wasn't from even from this show. I mean, I'd like no. to think that this oh, show is awesome. adding to his success. I would hope so. But it was the Diesel Brothers, right? Diesel Dave. Yep. And uh, so he posted something, and, and Chase blew up, and Chase was already doing Then we talked to him, and he gets a lot more work. Then I hire him to help me out with something at Banks, uh-huh. and that project is dragging because Mr. Chase Carroll is a little too big for his own britches right now. No, he's just too busy for you. I know. I know. I'm so getting kicked to the curb. We, we talked about this when we saw Chase in person at SEMA, right? We mm-hmm. uh, we talked about uh, prioritizing uh, your clients. And, uh, you know, you're just not that. You're not, you're nope. not high enough on the list. I friend. am lightweight. <laughs> I, well, Chase, there were it's, a few uh, changes there. it's been it's been nice knowing you. It yeah, was uh, it was great when you take our calls, but now you're getting a little too big. This might be the last time. No, that's not true because I need him to render me a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> can you do people yet? I'll be impressed when you can do people. Can you make me thinner? Yes, and more attractive and funnier. <laughs> no, he can't no. render funny. Oh, he can't do it. Oh. Although GM rendered funny into the uh, the grill. Of they the, sure as hell did. Ah, there we go. Tip your waitress. Try the veal. He'll be here all night. All right. All right. Chase Carroll, Innovate Design Lab. Thanks for checking in with us. You guys should check out all the amazing renderings, and you'll salivate wishing they were real. We should let Chase go. I think he's like, uh, it's the awkward thing. You know how, like, when you hug somebody? Yeah. And, and you just, linger a little bit too long? It's just a fraction and it gets, of a second. Yeah, and, it, and you walk away going, I really like that guy. Yeah. But a little awkward. Hey, Chase, I'm hanging up on you right now. Thanks, buddy. Bye. <laughs> See you, bud. <laughs> all right. No more awkward. <laughs> I need you to, uh, you ready? I need you to help me sing along with this. I think we can do it, right? Okay, uh, ready? Yep. What are the words? Uh, Time to sell lightning's truck. Here we go. Yep. Time to sell lightning's truck. Time to sell his truck. Gotta get it off his lawn. Or with his wife, he's (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is, uh, you don't know how true that is, guys. It's not actually on my lawn. It's sitting in front of my house. It's close enough. Giant California car cover keeping it with nice, a raccoon under nice it. and clean. There is a raccoon protecting it, as <laughs> oh, I like to think. It okay. It's absolutely protecting it. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. Um, you know, 
I had placed a value on what I thought my truck was worth. Uh-huh. And I consulted you uh-huh. and some others. Uh-huh. And I thought, what's a fair price to pay for a truck that potentially has $130,000 worth of merchandise? Uh-huh. Well, I'm sorry, including the price of the truck. Then I thought, okay, give depreciation. It's a 2007 and a half. It's I kinda your rounded style. It. It's my style. It's got, it, yes, it's crazy. Boxed aluminum roof rack. It's got uh, uh, stainless steel bumpers, 37-inch tires, American Force billet wheels, blah, blah, blah. It's got everything you could ever put on a truck. It's done, I think, unique and stylish. It's not too crazy. We pulled the wrap off, so guys are like, what's that crazy, insane wrap? It's beautiful. The paint is immaculate. And I I priced it at, um, dare I say, $58,000. So I priced it. I put it up at fifty-eight grand. That's basically what happened. And crickets. And then I lowered it down to forty-eight grand. Uh huh. Crickets. I thought, what the hell? I guarantee you, if you sell it for fifteen thousand, sold tomorrow. <laughs> That's true, but it's so much truck. Now listen, two thousand nineteen. You spend if as loaded as this is, a brand new truck seventy grand. Mm-hmm. But this is now three body styles old. Yeah. And it's only got 77,000 miles on it, which is really low for diesel, right? It is. Okay. It is. And it's in great, I mean, it's spectacularly well kept. Uh, in and great did, condition. And, and so a boned stock version of my truck is 26 grand in decent condition. Not yeah. great. What? Decent condition. Yeah. Some cinder blocks have been thrown in the bed, all that. My, no. Mine is no, you can eat gorgeous. off any of it. You know what I think you need? What's that? I think you need an old timey, you know, car commercial. An like you know, like the car commercial, like a Cal Worthington, yeah, his like dog the spot? old guy on his like uh, his car, like lot. a local car lot type commercial. Absolutely, and you have to uh, dangle the carrot, okay, right, and then you have to let him come down. You gotta, gotta build interest and okay, and gotta uh, build mystery well, around then, so it. So why don't we? Why don't we have a special right now? I was at forty eight grand. I'm gonna come down to forty two five just for this show right here. All right. Fully loaded, crazy truck. You want to do it? Let me find you some music. Here right, we let's go. Do, let's try this. Let's try that. Let me uh, give you this. Uh, this. All right, give me a check on your mic. Check, check. A little more. Check, 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 check. check, check. There it is. All right, I'm gonna bring my mic down. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, ready when you are. Hey everyone, this here is Billy Bargain down at the old Truckorama. Now I got a deal for you today. That's right, we've got a 2007 Chevrolet Silverado 3500 LTZ. It is a dually with 77,000 miles. It's got banks everything. It's got Willwood brakes. It's got an LMN Duramax with an Ellison transmission. We got ourselves a 12-inch bulletproof diesel suspension, 37-inch Toyo tires. It's got custom interior, custom audio, custom grill, custom rack, custom, custom, custom. Get over a hundred thousand dollars of custom for the low, low price of less than a hundred thousand custom for this show only. Right here, you mentioned, you mentioned, you come on down, you say that you are friends of the Truck Show podcast, and you, sir, will get that truck out the door for a deal. Forty-two thousand five hundred. That is forty-two five all day long down here at Bargain Billy's <laughs> Truckorama. <laughs> oh, that is. How's awesome. that? That was spectacular. I, I was, need to catch my breath. Let me turn your uh, effects down here. Oh my gosh, your face was beat red. <laughs> that was spectacular. That was spectacular. I was, I was, I was channeling uh, Cal Worthington, Billy Mays. Uh, <laughs> Your voice was going about three quarters uh, of the way through it. It just completely died. It died, yeah. I, yeah. I hear now. <laughs>
I overstressed it. I, I got it. I got into it a little bit. Uh, hold okay. on. But you know, <clears throat> frosty Dr. Pepper right here. Oh mm. man. Oh, hold on. Dr. Pepper break. Sorry, guys. <sighs> Good. You think that? You think that might sell the truck? Well. No, if so, I don't know. You <laughs> know we what do I mean? Audio like, clip and put it on our Facebook page. I mean, look, we got a bunch of truck fans listening. All right, and uh, hopefully you guys can help put the word out. Maybe they got you know, a chuckle. Look, where can I, they find the truck? I put it up on Auto Trader. Well, that's and, where, that's and, why I didn't sell. I know that. I put up on Auto Trader. I put up on Craigslist, and then you suggested uh, bring, bring a trailer. Nah, then I looked on Bring a Trailer. It's it's vintage. They sell new stuff there. They okay, do. They uh, do. look, I'll try it. eBay. I'll try it. I thought about eBay. Maybe um, not maybe not the best ever, but I mean I don't know. Some people have good luck on eBay. Some I'm don't. not a good negotiator, so like I just okay, marked I'll my buy it truck for fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Give me fifteen thousand right now. You know what I mean? I'm not that bad. By the way, I sold the XJ. Yeah, I know. I heard. <laughs> I heard. That's kind of a different ball of wax. Like there's a lot of demand over those XJs. I know. You know I, I, mean? I just want to rub it in that I sold my truck before I, you sold yours. And I told you that you would. When knew you it announced coming. it, I, I knew that yeah. would happen. So you know, you get you're getting a lot of truck for forty two five. A lot of truck, but you got to mention the truck show podcast or Billy Bargain ain't gonna cut you that deal. <laughs> Billy Bargain, <laughs> you are officially now known as Billy Bargain for, Billy for Bargain. the rest of the show. Hopefully, here. our uh, our listeners will email, will email us. Email What's us. your name again? I'm Billy Bargain. <laughs> Maybe they'll say, <laughs> "Hey, Lightning and Billy Bargain." <laughs> Speaking of big trucks, did yeah, you, and mine uh, is a little large on the large side. Yes. Not your trucks. Speaking about other big trucks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you see that link? Uh... Oh, the Reddit link. Yes. <laughs> so here's the deal that we were alerted to. Uh-huh. Um, apparently, there's some guys. Where did this happen? Do you recall? Was it down south somewhere? Uh, yes, it was. Okay. Uh, Tesla supercharging station, about four or five stalls wide, and three... They weren't hugely lifted trucks. They're probably up on six-inch lifts, something like that, and they were some OBS trucks. And uh, there's also, I believe, a uh, avalanche. Oh, there was an avalanche Ooh, in there. Yeah, I thought like, that was like interesting. A GMT 800 avalanche. Is that is that that's not diesel, is it? Do they offer avalanche diesels? Nope. Okay. Nope. So they were just bro esque, right? And they were they were parked in the Tesla spot, in all in all these stalls there, preventing people with Teslas from charging. Well, then in fact, the person who went on Reddit uh, was complaining that they felt um, scared. That the bro trucks were blocking the Tesla station because apparently the guys were chanting "F Tesla" <laughs> as the person was trying to uh, now, go and charge up. Okay, so here, and that's not cool. No, no. So here's the thing. Funny, but we don't condone it. No, yeah, it is funny. In, in our younger selves, we would have thought that was funny, and now we're old, you know, old dudes, and like that's not. It's not cool. Yeah, you let people do their own thing. I know? love, I love pranks. I don't know if this is prankish. I'm not sure. It's childish. You know? It is childish. It's totally childish. So we're on the fence. Like we get the gag, but we're bummed that it had to be guys in trucks. Yeah, that's a bad look on all of us. And you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I get that you don't like the Tesla people, but do you really have to be that much of a dick to, you know? Because here's the deal. Like the libertarian in me says. Dude, you do your thing. I'll do my thing, mm-hmm. and we all go about our life. But to well, the whole, well, but here's the why the bro truck guys are like. There's like, hey, you're pushing that stuff on me, dude. Yeah, like there, we had handicapped spots right up up at the front, and no one can argue with that. You get it, right? For obvious reasons. Yeah. Absolutely. But then you get up at the front, you got charging stations. Mm, mm. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's but mm, uh, uh, 
I'm on, you know. Now, are Tesla drivers the same as Prius drivers? Because Prius drivers, no. We're you and I are always uh, on the phone, yeah. at calling each other, yeah, like school children, yeah. When and and we're like, I'm behind another freaking Prius in the fast lane. Do you remember that day I called you when two of them ran into each other? I'm like, damn, they're so prolific out here. They're hitting <laughs> each other now. They're taking themselves out. I. What is with? Uh, Prius drivers it's, are a different breed. I, I can't get behind it. Uh, Tesla drivers are usually, I mean, these are these are people that are educated, they have money, they're successful in life. That's not necessarily true of the Prius driver, so I think that, that there's a difference there in personality. But here's what I don't get. <clears throat> if you remember, we had um, uh, Bollinger on, and we mm-hmm. talked about their Bollinger B1 and B2 electrics SUV and truck. And I admitted. Now, that was the one where he, where Bollinger, uh, the owner, claimed that there had it. What kind of range was that? Uh, he was aiming miles? for 200 miles. 200 miles. Okay. So, this is where I want to go with this because um, I, I think the bro trucks blocking the Tesla superchargers is a perfect example or a perfect you know, segue into this whole electric conversation. I was honest and upfront and said, I, I'm not sure I'm sold on electrics. So, so sell me, right? And he was saying, well, we, you know, we feel 200 miles is the appropriate amount of range where you wouldn't have range anxiety if you're charging every day. And I thought to myself- Do people know what range anxiety is? Yeah, it's when you, it's just like running out of gas in your gas tank, right? Uh, range anxiety is you're afraid to drive anywhere because you might not have enough charge. And I lived it. Oh, recently. you did? Yeah. You did? What? When? Okay. So, so let me back up. So he was trying to convince me. And at the end of our interview, I went, you know what? That guy's pretty smart. His truck sounds really cool. And I guess 200 miles does sound great. But then I started thinking. Well, I remember after we had that interview, you were like, wow, I kind of am yeah. warming up to this. We both were. Yeah. Look, oh, I'm like, okay, give this good a sales shot. guy. Like he, he, he was answering my needs. But then I. I enough, good enough salesman to raise a many, lot of money. many millions <laughs> yeah. of dollars. Yeah. Yes. So I was on board. And, and, and then I thought, you know, when Lightning and I went out to the desert and we did our off-road episode mm-hmm. where we went out to the Husky Monument and we went How out. How many miles and, did we do on that? Almost 300 that day. Ooh. So that would mean that we wouldn't be able to start at home with a B1 on full charge, go do that trip that we did and, and make it back. And obviously in the desert, there's nowhere to charge. Okay, that brings me to- So now he's made a Honda Ridgeline, something that looks like a truck that's not really a truck. Do you follow me? It, I mean, it looks like a truck, but it doesn't do enough truck stuff. But it, it does, except for the range. That's the, that's the major okay. sticking point for me. Okay. So I just got back from four-wheeler of the year. And four-wheeler of the year is both pickup truck and SUV. And one of the ve- actually two of the vehicles we had a Range Rover new plug-in hybrid. Uh, and, oh, and so these things were pretty interesting. 2.0 turbo four-cylinder. Okay, and a uh, I want to say it was a 13.1 kilowatt um, battery pack, and so it was enough for they claim up to 31 miles of electric. How range. many kilowatts you said? 13.1. And how does that compare to? Give me what's what, what am I comparing that so to? So I uh, anybody who's delved in the electric world will understand. I let me just tell you my is that experience. high or low? It's low. Okay, because it's, it's a plug-in hybrid, so it's designed to run off of the gasoline power plant, and but you can do all the stuff like around town on all electric only and save your fuel. Okay, but here's the problem with that setup: is once you have your batteries are completely depleted, right? Mm-hmm. Now you have a small two-liter turbo four, which by the way is very peppy. However, in a Range Rover, it was a lot rougher than the uh, 2.0T that was in our Wrangler. Mm. It just didn't feel, for a $90,000, $100,000 vehicle, it didn't feel expensive and it was a little bit rough on the higher edges. If you stayed in the electric mode or hybrid mode, it was perfectly adequate, perfectly fine. It was like 400 horsepower when they worked together. Okay. Here's the problem I had. I don't have a level two charger at my house. And so I wanted to experience the vehicle as if- Level two charger, like a supercharger, like 220? Uh, yeah. So, so okay. it's like half the time, right? 
I just had 110. So I said, you know what? I'm going to charge every night for 110, see how many miles I get out of it, and then I'm going to do my daily drive because I'm curious about this electric thing. I really want to experience it. And if you think about it, the average person lives in an apartment or in an uh, urban environment. They may not have a charger, a level two charger. They might, but they might not. So so my whole thing was, or, or you know, if you're, I don't know, borrowing, borrowing the car, I don't know, whatever. I mean, unless you have access to the electrical system in your house yeah. or your apartment, you're screwed. You've got 110. So here's the deal. 31 miles to get 31 miles, which is actually only 29, because once I had 100%, mm-hmm. it took 16 hours at home to charge. Oh. And I didn't really ever get 29 miles. So I charged all night, and I would start the day at 75%, 80%. So it'd only go like 12 or 13 miles or something like that. Okay. I had my normal commute to my office, El Segundo, up in, in the LA area, up by LAX from mm-hmm. down in Orange County, 29 miles. I started the car in the morning, 29 miles of range. I backed out of my driveway, no climate control, no, you know, radio. I'm like, as hyper mile as I can do with the electric as possible, 100% charge says 29 miles. I have 29 miles and stop and go traffic to get to the, the office. Let's see where I get. By the time I backed out of my driveway, went down the street, made a right, made a left, merged onto the main street, made a right turn, and went a mile to get my breakfast burrito. I was down to 24 miles. Oh. And I'm like, this sounds eh. like an iPhone. <laughs> right? <laughs> And so I had to download three different apps in order to charge in different various places at the mall, downtown Huntington Beach. Oh, you payment apps. Right. To try. And those are level two, right? So I had to download all these different apps. There's no like one system that does everything. Okay. Which is nice about the Tesla system because they they have- I'm sure that the electric companies will end up monopolizing all of it at some point. I mean, it's not as cheap as you'd think. It's not super expensive, but it's not as cheap as, as you would think. Well, you were charging for anyone that has a pool, Right. And has to run their pool motor, or you run yeah. your, you're in Arizona or Texas, and you're running air conditioning. You know how expensive yeah. that can be. This has got to be similar, it's your, right? It's your car, right? So the problem that I had is after spending a week with the vehicle, A, when we were out in the middle of nowhere, we're out in the desert, we ended up depleting the battery, and there was no place in Bishop, Lone Pine, or Mammoth where we were staying that we could plug in overnight. And one night we actually took you, out. You, you didn't run an extension cord out the door of the hotel room. room. <laughs> and we killed the satellite TV. You got to stay. And in. we burned some circuit <laughs> plugging it in. So you got to stay on the first floor of a travel lodge, right? <laughs> so, so you but, can run it out the front door. Well, that's door. what we did. And, oh. it, and we only had you know 20 miles. So when we went off-roading, we depleted the batteries right away. And now we just have a 2.0T four-cylinder lugging around a ton of batteries doing nothing for you. Mm. And an electric motor doing nothing for you. So I felt like 31 miles was not enough range. I felt like to really use it, you'd probably need like 50 miles, but then it would require you to have a level two because you couldn't get 50 miles in a 24-hour period off the base charger. I know people go, yeah, yeah, but you were, you know, what do you expect plugging into just the wall? And I'm like, but that's the point. I wanted to see what the lowest common denominator experience was, mm-hmm. not the fancy journalist experience where you have a level two charger and you get to experience full. I wanted to see what it was like every day. So. That brings me back to the Bollinger EV and then Rivian, which is another electric vehicle manufacturer. Before you jump into the Bollinger and Rivian thing, if you have the wherewithal to buy those expensive trucks, these are not $20,000 trucks. You know what I mean? It's not a Ranger. This is a this is a upper end vehicle yeah. that you're buying for marquee value. And you're probably going to have the charger. I, I, right. I get that. But I still wanted to see what the lowest common denominator experience was. So when we we're off-roading, we didn't have enough range to really explore the electrics off-road, right? The the electric part of the drivetrain. And I found that switching between the hybrid mode, gas, and electric mode, the Range Rovers are usually very good off-road and very linear on throttle response and just dr- great traction control. Very jerky in these. It's almost like they hadn't sorted out 
the transition between the different modes. Mm. And then the other side of it was there's just all these buttons and switches. Nothing was intuitive, and it took like three days of driving it to kind of figure out how to drive it. And then it brought me back to Rivian and, and Bollinger, and I'm like, put the charging aside. Let's say I had a level two, and in 10 hours I was up to full. Well, it'd take a lot more than 10 hours on level two to go full if you have a battery pack that goes 200 miles. But now you're off-road. You're in four-wheel drive instead of just using you know one axle to, right. to power it. Now you're using additional energy. You're, you're stop and go as you're crawling over rocks and boulders, and that 200 miles is probably maybe 150 realistically. That's not enough for the trips that I like to take. So I want to be on board. There's a lot to like about electricity. There's a lot to like about electric platforms, the fact that it's 100% of torque at zero RPM, you know, those types of things, the, the speed, the, the, the capacity, the payload, all the things that an electric motor does. But I just, I'm not sold. After being in the Land Rover, I went back to my pre-Bollinger interview position where I'm like, I just need more. It's not quite there for my use case yet. Mm. Now, if it was your second car or if it was even your first car, at least it's a hybrid, the, the Land Rover in this right. case, right? Or the Range Rover Sport, which is what I took home. And so you can rely on the engine, but then what's the point of having a fancy plug-in hybrid if you're always going to be on the engine because you don't have enough battery charge? 31 miles, if you think about it, it's not a it's lot. not enough. And, and that's the max. So the reality was like 18 to 20 miles. That's nothing. 18 to 20 miles is... is the average commute, I think, in most metropolitan areas is over 22 miles, isn't it? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. So anyway... That's sort of my take. I really wanted to be on board, and I love the idea of the Bollinger, but I just don't think 200 miles. Now, if he said, well, we looked at it, it's now 400 miles, and you get a Wazoo charger, and you can charge overnight. Ah, now, okay, yeah. yeah. But and, what, and that'll happen. I think everyone listening is going, guys, it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. It's just not here yet. But what I'm worried about is, like, if I want to go on a, a camping trip in this awesome, because here's the other thing about Bollinger. That is a truck made for off-road. It's got knobby tires. It doesn't have tiny little thin tires with low rolling resistance or anything like that. It's a truck. It's It has a huge capacity for payload and cargo and, and crawling over things. So it's not super efficient already. It's not aerodynamic at all, right? So in the use case of that, it's going to be your adventure vehicle, you think. What happens? Do You, have you, can't, to, you can't go adventuring in it. Right, because if you go camping, you have to stay in an improved campsite that has a plug. Mm. Because if you're going to go disappear out in the wilderness... Well, it better be 100 miles from home or less, right? Right. And, and for most of us, at least in where we live, the best places to wheel and camp are minimum 100 miles away. I it's think that's drive. probably the same with most people who live in metropolitan areas. Yeah. They go 50 plus miles out of yeah. town to camp. Right. So The nearest lake. So what do you whatever. do? You can get there. You have the capability to get there. But are you? do you put your Honda generator in the bed and plug in while you're driving? I mean, I, it's just uh, I really, I really wanted to be on board. But living with a electrified vehicle, and, and I'll, I'll bring this up. This is a, a point that I don't think we've brought up on the show that's happening in the industry, and I think a lot of people want to know why or how it could possibly happen. I've had a few emails and conversations with our listeners. Ford recently announced no more cars. They're going to be an all SUV and truck brand. Chevy- Oh, whoa, whoa, wait. Minus the Mustang. Minus the Mustang. General Motors following suit with their portfolio. They want to be a, a 99%, you know, Corvette, obviously, and maybe Camaro stay, the rest of it. And by the way, that's rippling into stuff I saw online today that, oh, uh, GM's on the verge of bankruptcy. Nah, no, no, it's no, not. no, it's no. Not. It's not. In fact, they have higher margins than Ford does, which is yeah. one of the reasons Ford wants to go to all trucks. They get more margin, blah, 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 blah. That's business stuff. And I doubt most of our people are, are going to be too interested in that. So, you know, the, the thing that I wanted to get to that people have been asking about and, and whatnot is, if you do you remember 2008, uh, yeah, and what happened in 2008? It was the year after my dually was uh, was made. <laughs> no, <laughs> the economy crashed, right? Oh yeah, and we all went through through that. 
And, yeah, that was a tough year. And Chrysler was caught off guard because they made a bunch of gas-guzzling vehicles, Jeeps and, and trucks and all that stuff. And they didn't have a really solid car portfolio. Was that uh, the time the Hummers went up in flames? Uh, Hummer, yeah, all that stuff. People happened. were lighting those trucks on fire. Well, the whole the whole thing, the whole world went wacky, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know the brands that had cars survived. And and Ford had a decent car portfolio at the time, and they were the only one of the big three not to go in bankruptcy. But now they're announcing we're doing all trucks, and GM's announcing we're doing all trucks. Well, that begs the question: What happens if the economy changes again? What happens if you're caught flat-footed and you don't have cars? This is this is brings us full circle in this conversation. <laughs> it's the car show. No, 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 no. Oh, we're not the car no, show. No, no, no. Oh, we're not going to be just, the car show. Hold on, and trucks. Okay, stay with me here. Stay right. with me on this line All of right. thing. Okay, okay. So we 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 started with the whole electrification of vehicles. We we went to all electric trucks. We talked about hybrid Range Rovers. We're talking about GM and Ford going to an all truck lineup. All right. Here's where we go full circle. Back in 2008, those manufacturers that that were caught flat-footed went through a hard time because they didn't have fuel-efficient cars. So what protects manufacturers today if the economy takes a dump tomorrow if you have an all-truck lineup? Nothing. Every one of the new vehicles coming out today, every single one of them has been co-developed to be an electrified platform. If the economy takes a dump, every one of those vehicles is going to have an electrified powertrain to meet the cafe and fuel economy standards. Every single one of them. That's how Jeep and Ram can get away with not doing cars. They led that charge. Now Ford's doing the same thing. Now GM's following. So the point is, if the experience isn't that great, let's hope the economy doesn't crash because we'll be forced into <laughs> right. all of them, right? Oh so that's my, my that's my like random Holman, uh, you know. That's interesting thought process. That's here. a really interesting take. You're right because now are you saying that the the current trucks that we're looking at the nineteens, twenties, twenty ones. They're not going to all be offered with the e-torque and such. Are you saying that if the economy took a crap in in the matter of six months, those the powertrains would just be switched out? Yes. Meaning instead of sitting on the on the on the the Ram lot, yeah. In, in, the, the, instead we of see, e-torque we, being a option, it might be standard. Understood. Uh, okay. The idea being that you have to if gas prices go up. Mm-hmm. And cafe standards tighten up, mm-hmm. and you have to meet certain goals. The way you do that is through electrification. My whole point is, I a I understand that, but having lived in an electrified vehicle, I don't quite think we're there yet. Now that being said, outside of the studio right now is a uh, 19 Ram with an e-torque Hemi. Right, love driving it. Looks good. Oh, it's a great looking truck. Gonna go for a ride in that later. You will. And and so it's seamless and it's great. But that's just the very cutting edge of what's to come. There will be more of that electrification. They don't call the e-torque a hybrid, but that's essentially what it is. Look, it's coming, dude. There's not a damn thing any of us can do about it. Nope. <laughs> How many companies have uh, tried to develop electric vehicles and have gone out of business? A lot. I mean... Do we do we name them all? I, I, I mean, look, we, we've got Volt. I think, arguably... The Chevy Volt? The Chevy Volt is the most popular electric car of all time, you'd have to say, right? Just in, no. sh- in sheer volume? Well, it's a hybrid like a Prius. It's not full electric. Uh, so, so I guess the Prius would then have yeah, to be- I, I would say the okay. Prius is probably the most popular electrified car, but the Volt is arguably a better engineered and better all-around vehicle. I think people who have Volt are like, this thing's amazing. This is the one of the best cars I've ever owned. There's a lot to like of that, but it doesn't really scale up for trucks because of our needs, and, and especially our needs for range. And I understand, but just, what I'm saying is the Volt- which is an, um, people who own Volts. Um, I was talking to Matt Fair, right? He okay. does the Smoke yeah. Entire podcast. Why isn't and, he on our podcast? Uh, he said he would come on, by the D- way. Did he? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Well, yeah, let's yeah. do it. And he, he's like, he owns a Volt. 
And he just bought a Lamborghini Countach, by right. the way. What's what else do? does he do? <laughs> I don't know. He does more than a podcast. I don't know. Um, but here's the thing. He loves his Volt, and people who own Volts love them. And I was even at some point, I told you, I was looking at buying a Cadillac ELR. Yeah, the ELR, which is which a two-door very, very limited production Cadillac built on a Volt. And yet, they're going away. So it's just not enough money in it. So here, do you remember the company Aptera? No. Okay, how? <laughs> so they went out of business. They tried to make <laughs> electric vehicles and went out. Uh-huh. Okay. How about Fisker? Yeah, oh, well, they were based in Southern California, and I've seen them around on the 405, yes. How about Coda? No. How about Alta Motors? Alta Motors. They made the motorcycles, the dirt bikes. Oh, oh, my, oh, they're out of business. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, that's just a handful of companies. Okay. That that made electric vehicles that are no longer here. So hmm. is the infrastructure ready? Is the technology ready? I think we're on the verge. Am I ready as a consumer? Nope, not ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Holman pontificates on electric, on electric vehicles. vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> Enough for the- uh, Wow, that was an evil laugh the echo, at the yeah, end. Yeah, <laughs> I need that one for Halloween. <laughs> All right, so what's this odd game that we have coming out? Oh, this is Know Your Note. Uh, yeah, you remember how uh, you keep trying to quiz me with exhaust notes? Yes. Well, I keep driving cool stuff. Yes, you do. And I decided I'm going to start recording the exhaust of things I get into. <laughs> okay. And then- You've got cool stuff at banks, so we'll just keep quizzing each other and see if we can guess. Because I don't know, I feel like a lot of these vehicles can tell a story through yeah. their exhaust. Note. I think so too. Come on now, it's time to take a trip down Speedy Lane. We're gonna play an exhaust for you, and nope, we're not insane. Well, maybe a little. Know your note. Come on and cast your vote. Know your note. Get it right, and you can gloat. Know your note. Vroom, vroom. Are we happy with that intro? Do, do we have any time left for the show? <laughs> wow. All right, so uh, we got two audio clips. Yep. Same vehicle. Okay. You ready? Let's do the uh, the first clip I sent you first. I think that's idle. Okay. And then we'll do the acceleration. All right. And then you're going to tell me what I'm driving. Hmm. Okay, here we go. I like that. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yeah. What is that? Sounds so good. Uh, huh. I've heard something similar. Hmm. Okay. I, oh, you did it. Oh, <laughs> wow. You did it again. I love that. I, I feel like I'm have some inkling as to what this the family of vehicles all right we better pl- we better play the acceleration clip to be sure okay all right oh my god <laughs> interesting play it one more time yeah okay Sounds like a Hemi. Okay. Is this a? But you wouldn't be in a. We've well, been a. It sounds like a Hellcat, but you wouldn't have been in a Hellcat, would you? Maybe. But it is the Truck Show podcast. Is that? Oh, is that? That's a. Is that about the, 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 the no. running Trackhawk? Tra- yes, it is. Oh my God! Oh! Yes. That uh, thing. 
was oh. so amazing. Thank you, thank you. I got it, Trackhawk. <laughs> so all-wheel drive. A Jeep Grand Cherokee track so many off. people that were like immediately got it and yeah, like yeah, lightning. Yeah. What's your problem, bro? Duh, lightning. <laughs> Duh, lightning. Hurry up. Um, it's uh, that thing is a hawk. spectacular vehicle. All wheel drive. So it just when your all wheel drive car has torque steer, you have a ton of power. You know that I had never seen one up close before I went to the uh, LA Auto Show. I will tell you, and I don't even know that it would be on my radar had I not I, seen it four weeks ago I at the Auto was Show. Amazed. At how easy that thing was to drive around town. Mm-hmm. You could hand the keys to your wife. Mm-hmm. She could drive it no problem. You wouldn't hand the keys to your wife. You might if she helped you buy it, maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, if you're my sh- wife can't have it because she already- sugar mama. My wife drives too fast as it is. I could not give her be- that because our insurance rates would go up. Right. It's so docile around town. Like, it just drives normal. And other than riding a little bit hard because it obviously has high-end suspension on mm-hmm. it. How would this- There are supercars that don't have 707 horsepower. In my opinion- this is the world's best-kept supercar. All-wheel drive, 707 best horsepower. Best-kept secret supercar? Absolutely. Nobody, mm. what else could you get that has over 700 horsepower in all-wheel drive for under 100 Nothing. grand? You know what? I for was, under 100 grand. I was thinking that an X5M, the BMW, or the- Yeah, but um, even that's only like these, 500, right? Right. Well, I, I, well no, you're right. It, it's, it's 200 horsepower less. What does the AMG have? The SUV, six, the like six thirty eight or something like so that. So it's close, but but think of like even a Lamborghini all wheel drive. Uh, like uh, I don't know what has the V is the Huracan. Well, the, the Lam- what is the Lamborghini or SUV? Have? The no, new no, Lamborghini no, that, SUV. Go away, get away from SUVs. Okay, I'm thinking in terms of just the straight out value for supercars. Period. Oh, you don't get seven hundred. What does the Ford GT have? Uh, six six thirty five or something like that. <laughs> so, but that's my point. Is like, don't don't even compare it to SUVs. Just compare it in general to all wheel drive and that kind of power for your dollar. And I don't think there's a better value out there. What does it cost? You know? Yeah, it starts at eighty six grand. The one eighty six grand for yeah. a Trackhawk. And I, I think mine stickered at one hundred one or something like that. Had a ton of options. And I think they top out at like one hundred nine, one hundred ten, somewhere in there. Okay. That value, I know, I get it. It's a lot of money, and there's people going, "Who I can spend? That's my house payment." I get it. I get it. But in the world of supercars and that sort of power, it is a drop in the bucket compared to what other cars with less power cost. Right. And the fact that you can take five people, four people with you, and use it as an SUV. Can you imagine that thing on the autobahn? Oh, it's got to be an ungod. The the exhaust note is one of my favorites of all time. Oh yeah, damn! And this shifts, man. Oh, how hard were you on it right there? Uh, wide open throttle. Now you were okay. Wide open throttle right there. So the Urus. Let me say, uh, that's the Lamborghini. Yeah. That sounds badass. So. The Lambo has uh, about 650. Okay. This has more than a Lamborghini. What's that, Murcielago? Uh, no, that's the Urus. Oh, oh, the Urus, the SUV. But that's that's the European numbers. Let me see if I can figure out. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut it down here. Okay. All right. Get enough of that note, dude. dude. It's, it's amazing. Okay, so here you go. Yeah, you've got the uh, the Aventador. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that is a six point five liter, seven hundred thirty horsepower V twelve. Mm-hmm. That is a seven hundred forty horsepower, and that goes for about half a mil. I mean, that's stupid, right? Wow. 
Hey, by the way, it turns out that I know your notes. <laughs> I think that part should be the new intro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little shorter there. Know your notes. Okay. So the, the Hurricane has uh, 602 horsepower. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, 631 on the track ready all wheel drive. Performante, I guess is what they call Performante, it. Performante, yes. Okay. Still not 707. And that's with all wheel drive. And that thing goes for a cool 200, it starts at, to like 300, somewhere in there. Wow. It's 100,000 less. Yeah. And the Urus, I don't know why we're picking a Lamborghini, but it's just, it's... it's well, because that's the benchmark of like big horsepower supercars, and that's the yeah. SUV that is, is pretty cool looking, I got to say. And it does have a twin turbo V8. Okay. Obviously, the Trackhawk is supercharged. Mm-hmm. It's sort of unassuming, too. Talk about the ultimate sleeper. Well, I enjoyed our first edition of... Know your notes. Vroom, 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 vroom. vroom. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get some... Oh, uh, some hate mail We're going to get some one. hate mail off of... Uh, uh, pretty sure. Pretty sure the hate mail is coming on that one, my friend. All right, uh, let's do something productive now. It's the <laughs> five-star hotline. Five-star. 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 Hotline. 657-205-6105. That's 657-205-6105. But it's a lot easier if you go to our Instagram, Truck Show Podcast, and just hit the call button. You can't miss it right there. And then leave us a message, and maybe it'll sound something like uh, this guy. Hey there, Lightning Holman. Uh, Jacob here calling up from... Spokane, Washington, huh? and uh, I'm driving home, and I uh, noticed one thing, Mike, this is more for you, and, uh, well, there's this, like, gray Dodge, and he's driving, it's, like, right at dusk, and he doesn't have his headlights on, <laughs> it's so annoying, so I need to, I need to re- it's been annoying me, you know, forever since you guys started talking about this on the podcast, and uh, so I need to get signed up for one of those paddles you guys have been talking about, if those ever get made, I'd love to, love to get one, because that would be so much fun to play other people, one other thing, that those paddles need to have is they need to have an option to say to other people to listen to the truck show podcast as I'm driving around because I don't always get to talk to other people about it. Thanks, y'all. Dude, that was a great message. And yeah, I am right actually working on it already. No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> I really, really am. Yeah, I sure am. All right. We got one get one customer. <laughs> hey, Landon and Holman. This is one of your fellow listeners from Grants Pass, Oregon. Or shall we call it Southern Oregon? I've been one of your listeners since the beginning of SEMA. And I was wondering if you guys would come down to my small little town and come check out some, they're not mini trucks, they're tiny trucks. What? I may not have have or own a full-size pickup truck, but I do own a scaled-down version of a 1979 Ford Bronco Ranger XLT. What? And if you guys want to see it, just let me know. We want to see it. My stepdad does own a 1979 Chevy long bed pickup truck, 4x4, and an 84 Nissan King Cab. Hey, oh, there sweet. you go. If you guys possibly could, try and bring back Mike Finnegan and David Freiberger again. Those two are awesome. All right, you guys have a good one. Um, I basically can't argue with that. They are awesome. Yeah, they are awesome, and I need to know what the hell he's talking about. He has a, he has a miniature it's 1979 Ford down. Bronco XLT. I'm, what does I, he mean by miniature? I don't know. He's not talking about those little kids' cars that are battery operated. Email us truckshowpodcast at uh, gmail dot com. Yeah, we need. I need a photograph. I'm we, not, no, we're not going to go to Grants Pass, Oregon, just to see that. I might. All right, maybe we will <laughs> because Grants Pass is a freaking awesome. <laughs> but what's up, guys? It's Connor from uh, Washington again. Just listening to uh, myself on your guys' pod or on the podcast. It's always got to be weird, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yourself, you're driving along in your truck, and you're like, what "The hell? That's me coming exactly. through these speakers." Exactly. 
And I was like, man, is that what it is, Sean? Like, yes, it is. <laughs> but, uh, thanks for playing that, guys. I have a few questions. Number one, can I get a sexual podcast to stick on my truck? By the way, yeah, hey, Google you, translation. Google it translation is, is, can I get a sexual, sexual podcast? podcast. <laughs> uh, a sticker, I mean. Sexual podcast sticker to stick on my truck. And then number two, I want the, yeah, buddy. I want that, like, a ringtone. Every time I get oh, wow. He's talking about... Uh, uh, Emmy. Yeah. yeah, buddy! <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm kind of bummed that it's... it's. I feel like Emmy's replacing... monitor, key, engine, meter. No, no, no. You know what it is? No. It's like when you have uh, fine wine and you put it in the cellar mm-hmm. and you let them age and you bring them out every once in a while. We mm-hmm. just have more than one bottle. There's always just a one, though. The one, you know what well, I mean? Well, it'll always be mounted parameters. Right. I guess it is. Right. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah, buddy! That'd be pretty sweet if Lightning could figure out that. I don't hear anything about 7.3s, and they're like coming 7.3 bulletproof thing, but they're everywhere. The OBS truck, for some reason, this what I drive is OBS F350, and they're just exploding right now for whatever reason. I don't know why, but, and they're just, I mean, $20,000 for some with 200,000 miles off of the Also, why don't they make manual transmissions? And, like, I know they make them in the bigger trucks. You know, half-ton, three-quarter, one-ton trucks that don't make manual transmission. And uh, so I thought my last message to cut off. Nothing makes you feel dumber than getting cut off by the edge. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Bye. Uh, manual transmission. Simple question or a yeah. uh, simple answer to that question. Uh, not enough of you are buying them. No, that's absolutely true. People that, don't want to shift anymore. I mean, yep. that's, that's a simple answer. You lazy, fat Americans... Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> it's us. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, people don't want them. Yeah. Uh, I, although I'm a manual transmission guy. My my uh, my Wrangler is a uh, manual transmission, and uh, people, when I go to Moab for Easter Jeep Safari, mm-hmm. uh, make fun of me. And I'm like, Why? I like driving manual. Sorry, I don't like the point and shoot. I have a Wrangler on 37s because I like crawling and picking lines and the technical aspect of, of, of wheeling with a clutch. Everybody seems like they have 42s and an automatic now, and they just go straight up that yeah. way. And it's boring. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I don't. I want to pick lines and enjoy picking my way through a technical obstacle. So I like stick. I'd buy it, but not enough of you guys are now. OBS seven threes. Uh, they have, have exploded. Yeah. And what is the reason? Great trucks. I think it's because it's a, a pretty bulletproof engine. They were built. They were overbuilt for their day. They're plentiful, and there's a lot of parts. Yep, there's good aftermarket support on it. I, I think they're just becoming popular. I think uh, that's sort of... Is the, it because there's a newer generation finding them? No. So you, no, it's not. Oh, oh, I thought you meant newer generation of truck that's out. No, no, no. I'm saying it. younger guys that yes. are now finding yes. it. So your dad had yeah. a truck like this, and now you're like, whoa, I, I, you know, maybe like 19 to 24-year-olds are buying this truck. Here's the they're other gobbling thing. them up, so preventing this guy from but buying other ones. remember, it was the very first Power Stroke, and you could get it in the old body style uh, Fords, and so it's the best of both worlds. It's it's pre a lot of emission stuff. Mm-hmm. They made good power. They're reliable. Those trucks. Uh, that's it. You just hit it on. It's it's all the guys that want pre emissions. They're yep. gabbling, gobbling up everything yep. they can buy that's pre emissions. Mm-hmm. And they were they were great. I remember when the Power Strokes came out in the OBS Fords, and I remember I had a buddy who had a F two fifty crew cab short bed with the Power Stroke. It was mm-hmm. white. I'm like, that's the best four by four. It's like everything I wanted was sitting right there. I'm like, oh, that truck today because they didn't build a whole lot of them is super expensive. Lightning Holman, this is Five Star Hotline. This is Jake from State Farm. I'm just kidding. It's Jake from Indiana. Currently <laughs> behind a tractor on a highway doing 20 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. But I just wanted to call this hotline and see if I actually made it through, if it was a real number, or if you just paid me through to one of those 
numbers that you call during the night. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> anyway, I just want to say great podcast. Uh, it definitely keeps me entertained on my drive to work. I was going to call you from my locomotive, but that's against company policy, and I'd probably lose my job. No, so don't man. lose your job. I have to call you behind the wheel, Mike. Ran 1500. I wanted a quick question for you guys to discuss. Would you rather buy a new truck with the base model and add all the features later on, the fancy leather seats and all that stuff, or would you rather buy the fully loaded model and just drive it as be? Me personally, I bought the entry-level model, and I'm starting to add leather seats and all the other fun stuff. But just wanted to just see what your guys' thoughts were on that. Uh, keep up the good work. Keep up the jingles. And the fruitcake episode was awesome. Was, <laughs> not for last us. Last time I heard, I was laughing so hard driving home from work listening. So, anyway, hope California's nice. Uh, enjoy the warm weather. It's currently 30 degrees here. So, anyway, five stars. <laughs> um, you know what? Our so, stomachs actually hurt as well. Still, well, that's for different reasons. For the, yeah. <laughs> and um, he drives a locomotive. That's awesome. And here's the deal, dude. Please uh, get get in touch with us. I will drive anywhere in the country to meet him on the locomotive. That I, if if you can get me to drive, I don't want to be a passenger. I want to go sit in the uh, you know in the in the main in, the, in what do you call it in the main the cab the cab yeah. it's not the cab yeah in the, the what's the the engine yeah the engine the cab of the engine okay go okay I didn't it's got to be a technical <laughs> term. is this going to be a submarine or submariner thing yeah, again yeah it is <laughs> damn it Holman doesn't care I care I want to be on your train uh, here we go eBay. 1995 Ford F-350 XLT crew cab long bed. Mm-hmm. $21,000. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good resale value. Uh, 1995 Ford F-350, uh, and that had 160000 This one's got 90000 It's only fourteen. Same Same truck, but only $14,000. Hmm. So it seems like quite the range out there, you guys. Yeah. Uh, looking for OBS Fords. Uh, do you think it's vintage enough for bring a trailer? <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not yet. Uh, you know, yeah, actually, yeah, That'd probably better. Yeah, it is. They, yeah, because they had some, they had some Toyotas and stuff in there, which yeah. I thought were kind of, kind of weak sauce. But I'm saying, just put your truck on there. We didn't answer sell. Jake's question about uh, whether you should buy a fully loaded truck or modified. Now, I've been on both sides of I that equation, well. and to be honest, trucks now are so much better than they used to be, and so much more complicated, and so much more complicated, and I have done both. And I would say buy the fully loaded one today. I would buy as Even much truck as you, you can, can afford. possibly afford. Because Correct. it's going to be cheaper in the long run. Adding leather seats aftermarket is more expensive than getting the leather seats in the factory. Although, it's you can do custom patterns and it's higher quality leather, all that kind of stuff. Um, perfect example, my Wrangler. I bought a Sahara, not a Rubicon, because we used it for a magazine project. And I knew it was going to rip everything off of it. Mm-hmm. So I got a cloth heated seat Sahara with a stick. And uh, and three twenty one gears, right? Because I knew everything's going to go on the trash. Because we were going to do it's going to go up on eBay. We're yeah. going to yeah, we do leather seats mm-hmm. because I wanted heated leather seats. So I got heated cloth seats. So then we did leather seats, right? With the Rubicon, it's going to rip the axles out anyway because it went with Dynatrax and ARB air lockers, mm-hmm. and I wanted to control them and not have the computer tell me when my lockers could be on. So we did that, and so like uh, and I knew I was going to regear because it's going to bigger tires. So it really depends on what your ultimate goal is. If it's a daily driver and you're not going to p- modify it. Get as much truck as you can afford and enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, Under warranty. I, t- I, I tend to think so too. Like if you know you're going to turn this into a show truck and it's going to be super custom, yeah, obviously you start with everything, you strip everything out that you can and you add in, you're going to buy a new radio, you're going to buy yep. everything. Uh, you're going to pull the door panels off, put Dynamat in, all, everything. But if if you are not the kind of guy who wants to tinker, uh, I, 
it's so hard to beat what they're offering these trucks. And you can throw it into financing, and it's just... And warranty. But if you want to do it yourself, and you want super custom pattern... Build, build you, not bought. I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. But I think there's an argument both ways. It just depends what you're using that vehicle He's for. He's asking us what we would do. Today, Lightning, I would buy it. I'd I, buy I, the as fully loaded yeah, as I could buy I would that buy truck. as much truck as I could afford. There's your answer. There it is. That was a really long-winded answer. <sighs> <laughs> Holman, this is the guy that made the the magnetic shocks, right? No. <laughs> still, still not magnetic, and those are Fox shocks that you claim to be magnetic on right. the uh, new live valves on the Raptor. No, uh, this is not anything to do with that. What? Um, How did that? Why did I say that a couple episodes ago? Because where... you were drunk. It was not a couple episodes; it was like thirty episodes oh, was ago. It really? Yeah, it's pretty, it pretty long ago. There, there are shocks on the market. At yes. least there were. Yeah, Magnaride. On the GM stuff. Okay. But not for desert trucks. Oh, fine. But, okay. Well, I... <laughs> All right, so... Maybe it was a valid question no. 30 episodes ago, no? no? it still wasn't. It no, wasn't then. It isn't now. <laughs> so, here's the deal. We've been spending a lot of time talking about the all-new Chevy Colorado ZR2. And the cool thing about the ZR2 is it has this new spool valve shock technology that's been made by Multimatic. So, I've got a friend of mine on the phone, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Gutilla of uh, Multimatic. Wait, wait. Say that name again. Michael Gutilla. No, the last name again. Gutilla. Gutilla? Gutilla. Is it Gutilla? I don't think so. You may Because uh, you wrote it phonetically for me. I did because you always butcher our uh, <laughs> guest names. No, I've only done that once. No, you've Maybe only twice. done it once after I gave it to you phonetically and you still got it wrong. Because I wasn't listening to you. That's I know why. you weren't because you can't multitask. <laughs> <laughs> We've got him coming up so that he can talk about Multimatic, mm-hmm. how they broke into the performance aftermarket shock, especially the off-road market, mm-hmm. how they got to be OE on GM's trucks and maybe where they're going with the company, and also to explain spool valves to uh, to our lovely audience. Because I don't have a clue. You have no idea. Right. You don't know how regular shocks work. <laughs> this is I like guess, next level uh, shocks. No, stuff. no, I know how regular shocks work. <laughs> they do bouncy things. Oh, no. No, 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 they they absorb the bouncy things. I know, I know. All right, let's dial Michael. Michael, it's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How are you doing? Fantastic, guys. How are you doing? Great, great. First question, Mike, is that how do we pronounce your last name properly? A Gutilla. Gutilla. What did I tell you? All right, well, I just, I didn't believe you. I wrote it phonetically, and you still tried to butcher it. (laughs) I did did not. I asked you. And and that's exactly what I said. Okay, perfect. All right, well, so, Michael, before you're allowed to talk, we have to play an intro for you, all right? So, hold on one one second. Welcome to the parts department. Screw, nut, filter, oil, grill, tools, wheels, tires, brakes, lights, Ears, bells. And your wife warns you not to. Don't you spend our money? And then you want to come back. See, Michael, because our wives are not happy that we're spending all this money on your parts. <laughs> but we're going to do it anyway because we're dedicated. <laughs> so, uh, that's why you want to work it into the lease payment. They won't see it that way. That's, yeah, exactly. that, that's how he's breaking uh, Multimatic into uh, that side of the market. Working with the OEs. So let's talk a little bit about Multimatic, and let's talk a little bit about where you guys came from, because you may be new to the off-road truck market, but by no means are you guys new to automotive, tier one supplying, or some other performance vehicle. So if maybe you want to give our audience a little bit of history on the company. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll go back to 1984. That's the year we were... Well, this is going to take found, the whole show. And, and, uh, no, no, I'll, no, 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 I'm kidding. No, 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 I, I really do. I, I'm just BSing. I really but do want the history. I'm, it, I'm normally the guy uh, that asks. It's been a 34-year 30, a um, ride, and you know, it's just building um, our business one brick at a time, one opportunity at a time. So we started off actually 
producing an automotive door hinge, right? And that's what the company was founded on initially, but it was founded on a principle of basically innovation and technology and trying to make a differentiated product. And um, so wait, what, 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 Michael, what door hinge? Oh, it was for uh, a GM uh, truck. So I got to pause you there, though. It's the, this is the kind of the pivotal moment in the company, right? So you made something that apparently took off. It did well. And so how did that door hinge perform well? What did, how did you innovate on this door hinge that took you to the step, step yeah, number two? In, initially, step number one was being able to do things with tighter tolerances and solving some problems that way through manufacturing. But, but if you think about 1984 to 1988, in that time period, the OEs were going through a transition from build the print, technology into black box bringing the suppliers in and having them be more of a full service supplier uh-huh. and that was something that we really embraced and and from that came the birth of multimatic engineering and our technical centers and, and an ability to differentiate through product and manufacturing expertise and know-how and both of those things are really what led to to multimatic's growth and it's all been organic growth you know there's a lot of different ways to do it we've done it uh, one job at a time, one you know, repeat customer at a time, and, and growing our people and keeping our culture intact. And so, we've gone from you know that beginning, which I'd say is pretty humble, to you know we're over about one point seven billion dollars a year in annual oh sales. Oh my <laughs> lord! Congratulations! And, yeah, no thanks. And and um, and it's in a lot of different product areas. So we've diversified, obviously, outside of what we we now call. Uh, that group that started off doing doing door hinges, we call that mechanisms. And the mechanisms products have made their way into. And a lot of the things we do, um, I know we've talked in the past, Sean, about uh, dampers and, yes. and what that's done for off-road products. But a lot of what we do is behind the scenes because we're in the business of working with our customers to help make their product shine. And and as a result of that, you know, we're not out there always branding our stuff, and that's by design. So. Um, but over the years, we brought some pretty novel innovations to market that the consumers are sometimes aware of and, and sometimes not. A lot of it is in body structures that helps make things just a lot more safe. And, you, you know, you don't really care about who's making that for you. You just care whether the, the product's safe or not. So, um, But if you just look at and I've listened to some of your shows recently and some of the products you talk about, we, we've got innovation on – you know, a lot of uh, pickups and uh, off-road vehicles and on-road vehicles, uh, you know, from the latest uh, Wrangler to, to um, you were talking about the Multipro uh, tailgate and, and those things. So our, our, our hinge business has grown into a mechanisms business, which has some surprise and delight features. Uh, one of the things we're a co-inventor on, for example, uh, goes all the way back to 2004 on the Ford. We call it the step gate. They call it the tailgate step. Um, but you know that the step that pulls out of the tailgate—that's that's yours. A, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's ours. No and, and we, way. Yeah, yeah, and and we did that with Ford. Um, and yeah, like I said, a long time ago. And we're on our second generation of that, obviously now. And the right? second and generation then, is even better. And and uh, yeah, you know, the yeah. first generation was cool when it came out. But as a truck journalist, one of the things I always hated about it was the way that the we call it the stripper pole, which is the the pole that right. you grab to help you you know step up <laughs> yeah. into the bed, right? Has it was stripper, it, has, are there any strippers yes. that have actually used it? Yes. Oh, there are. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, I, I can't comment on that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I can. Uh, it has a name for a reason. And uh, and what was interesting is those first ones, the the pole laid into the tailgate, but the tailgate wasn't smooth because you had the structure around it 
because it sat on top of the back of the tailgate. So what would happen is, let's say you had a cardboard box, you tried to slide it in the back of your truck. Got hung up on that yeah, pole. And it would rip the bottom of your box out and, you know, whatever. The new generation, the tailgate is completely smooth and it's all integrated differently now. And I love the second generation version yeah, of that, that tailgate. It's very well engineered. How do it's, the, it's all um, about innovation and continuing to improve, right? So sometimes timelines get in the way of, of implementing things the way you want to the first time, as you know. So that was definitely something we wanted to fix in the second go around, which we've done. And we've removed a lot of parts and weight from the second generation as well. There's just a, there's a ton of things behind the scenes, as you know, in any engineering um, activity that goes on. So, But Michael, cool. how, how do you get these projects? How do they come about? I mean, do, does GM or Ford, do they just hit a block wall and their engineering team are either, they, they, they can't find the solution to the problem or are they just understaffed or what's the dynamic? Or they have an idea and they need you guys to execute maybe? Yeah, there's, there's the whole spectrum and you mentioned a bunch of different ways of how we get involved. Uh, sometimes we take a look at macro trends and we develop a technology that we think is going to have an impact um, before our customers even want it. Um, I'll give you an example of that. It's a power side door. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Tesla Model S, um, yeah. but it has a power, the front side doors that, that power open and close. Uh, that was something we were shopping around to our OEM customers for you know five, six years and everybody's saying, who would want that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, right. You know? And then, and then it took one guy, um, Elon Musk, in a design review saying, well, we've got this Falcon wing door on the rear and, and the front doors are awfully boring. And he said to his vice president of engineering, you know, can you fix that? And there, there you go. There's a, a relationship that existed. They, they, he, he knew of our capability and he said, I've got eight months to solve a problem for Elon. And uh, and we said we've got the perfect product for you. And uh, and you open it. up a briefcase and, and light shot out of it, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> lights in a disco there ball. And <laughs> yeah. this thing that isn't getting any traction. And then all of a sudden, when that when that vehicle launches, that you, you know, then everybody says, "Oh, this is interesting," and maybe this is a pathway to handle this doors, which is a styling trend you've seen everywhere now. And then that cascades, and and you get out there that way sometimes. Did so that's, Mercedes that's did example. did Mercedes Benz have doors like that or? You're talking about where they they pull themselves in for the final latch. Is that the part you're you're referring to? No. So that'd be an auto. You know, that'd be cinching latches, which have been around for a while. And that's like in town cars had that on to the trunk lid. Oh, that's why I asked because I wasn't yeah, sure exactly yeah. what feature he's talk he's referring to. No, on no. The Tesla. So what I'm talking to, just to be specific, you you walk up to a Tesla Model S, um, the, their their SUV. Uh, vehicle and the front doors will actually present themselves to you so you have to carry a little key fob and there's a couple different ways you can do it you can push a button and just command it to open and close or you can just walk up to it and it knows you're coming and let's say you're coming at it from the front angle right of the car it'll open like 19 degrees so you don't have to walk all the way around this door which would be obnoxious <laughs> to get behind it ah. but it's but it's got a proximity set so when you get around behind it it actually presents itself and opens even wider and you step into the vehicle sit down push the brake pedal and it'll close automatically you don't even have to touch the because door. why not because <laughs> because why not because right? why not well it turns and, out that i don't have enough money to know about yeah. these features because i don't have all this I, stuff I saw it once in a parking lot, and I just stared, and I'm pretty sure the lady thought I was going to rob her. I am getting uh, depressed. <laughs> well, okay, like but there's, there's examples like that, which are yeah. sort of gee whiz, and then I'll get you know something static, but very important. Uh, if you look at the new Wrangler, and you look at what they call the sports bar, um, you know, prior to the current version, that sports bar um, was put in production and is a difficult thing to make because of the variation. It's a very big structure. And imagine how much that can wander around. 
And everybody thinks about lightweight and safety these days, right? So we have a, a boron steel hot blow forming technology that we've been developing for 10 years and uh, and developing the application of that specifically. And, wait, wait, and it was a perfect say, say, fit. What is that process right? again? Yeah. So you take boron steel tube yeah. and, you, and you heat it up to 900 degrees C and you stick it in a press. This is the very short version of it. Right. Um, but, but you bend it into shape because it's very malleable at 900 degrees Celsius. Right. And, and you that's and you what pump, she said you, you pump air yeah, yeah exactly and you pump air into it and you blow it up into shape and you quench it and it hardens it so it right. comes out that's what she said at, exactly it right. comes out at 1500 megapascals i don't think she said that and, uh, <laughs> never once said, said no, no one ever no but the end result is you get a very lightweight very strong structure that can meet you know the roof crush requirements and make it a lot safer for for well, everybody and and it makes it easier to build the vehicles too because it's dimensionally under control the jl the foam i was, just... oh, was going to say all the foam bits went away right remember yep. on the jk it had to be wrapped in yep. foam that's because it didn't look so nice and and now you actually have surfaces that are, uh, have great appearance it's that can ugly be on a jk and, and you, you could, and you don't have yeah. an a pillar on a jk it only goes yeah. to the b pillar back and if you pull off all the padding they're not fully painted and the cool right. thing about the JL is that whole entire, quote-unquote, sport bar, um, because uh, FCA lawyers won't let you say roll bar, um, that whole structure now is A-pillar, B-pillar, C-pillar. And what's so cool about it is when the windshield's down the doors are off, you still have the shape of the vehicle, and it's fully painted, and it has plastic trim pieces, and it just looks cool. And because it has the plastic trim pieces, now you don't have to worry about your padding turning gray or white over time from the UV. Oh, you got it. Right. it always looks great. And it's just a very, very cool and well-executed piece. I love the fact that he has Easter eggs over every vehicle on every showroom floor. <laughs> I mean, just about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeep's we, got we all do. sorts of we've stuff. Got, yeah. yeah, we've got content in, in a lot of different categories. And well, and you guys the have behind-the-scenes stuff. You right? guys have non-sexy really... stuff, too. You have You make things like control arms and ball joints and yeah i think i think it's sexy uh, but you know it's a it's a 500 million dollar business unit i think i think we're probably approaching 70 percent of the control arm market for pickup trucks oh in my north, lord obviously wow. in north america so we've got all the uh, control arms on silverado sierra on uh, the f-150s and on the uh, colorado all the colorado's base zr2 uh we're on the raptor as well for lower control arms so when you add all that together it's, so it's a lot of controllers. Now, are, are you Michael? Are you are you presented with the problem and and the financial constraints, or are they just get this done whatever it costs, or what does that what does that look like? Oh, it's it's always about what we say that we call it value, right? It's always a relationship between function and cost, and and uh, as you know about in the OE world, particularly high volume world, cost is a big component to being competitive and for them to be able to bring product to market. So we're under constant pressure to bring in advanced functionality, but at a price point that is, you know, often less than what they previously paid for it in, the, in an earlier generation. Um, so even when you bring something to market, like let's say on, on the original F-150 front lower control arm that we brought in, it was after the original F-150 launched, it was on the P-415, if you guys remember that vehicle. So yep. that was we, we came on board about 2007 because uh, we came in and they had an aluminum front lower control arm. We proved to Ford we could do it with an advanced uh, stamping technology and capability, design capability we had um, at the same weight as aluminum, uh, but for far less cost. And it, so it just became a way better value proposition. And you can imagine there's a little bit of doubt in the beginning, but 
Um, that's kind of one of the differentiators of Multimatic. We don't really start thinking about it at the component level. We go to the full vehicle all the time and we say, what does this vehicle need to do? And, and what are the loads it needs to carry? How does it need to handle? How does it need to behave? And from there, we calculate down to the component level what the component needs to do ultimately or a set of components to add up to meet that full vehicle requirement. That's really kind of the secret to our methodology and we've just honed that over 34 years and so in this case we had a high degree of confidence that we had a, a concept that would meet the truck's performance requirements in all cases durability everything um and with a and we prototyped it and bought an f-150 and proved it would work and and uh, ford said yeah you guys are serious and so they held a market competition to see who could come to come to the table with between us and, and any of our competitors. And, and we won that shootout. And that changed the game considerably because up until then, there was this belief for GM, everybody you had two choices, right? You had cheap and cheerful, but heavy cast iron and you had lightweight, but expensive aluminum. And, and we really changed the game by saying, no, you can have lightweight and it can be cost effective as well at the same time. And so uh, GM, uh, sorry, Forge switched over then, and then we're on our third generation working on those control arms. GM now on the, you've seen now on the Silverados and the Sierras have uh, stamp steel or control arms with our ball joint technology as well. It's another enabler is getting um, integrated uh, ball joints into those systems. So it's been a really fun ride. And uh, again, you don't have, a, you won't see the name Multimatic on those control arms because they're our customers control arms, but uh, it's been a lot of fun working with them. Does that hurt occasionally, Michael, when you guys have so much invested in these things and then they just come out white label? You know? Yeah, it does. Uh, well, our business is business to business mostly, right? And so until we get into products like uh, the dampers, where that's really our first major product that's had a business to consumer um, relation, it doesn't really help. It doesn't hurt at all from our perspective because that's what we've grown the business around. Being a tier one supplier to an OE is uh, is very business to business, and you, you know, therefore, you don't really need your name in bright lights so long as your customers understand your capability. And your brand reputation kind of grows through that. And well, that's a lot, a lot of people are hearing about these, you know, this the name for the first time with these shocks. Well, at least in the yeah. truck market, in the because, truck market. because DSSV and Multimatic have been the upgrade GM performance uh, parts, or I guess Chevy performance parts, for was it Camaro ZL1 and some of the Corvette stuff. Because you guys really kind of uh, cut your teeth in suspension actually on the racetrack in the car and road racing world, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, that's we actually develop. We use racing as a R&D uh, avenue for us. So, well, again, another slightly different approach, right? There's a lot of companies that are bigger than us or even our size who advertise a lot in racing, and that's their involvement. They write checks. and But we always said we want to, we want to bring a technology and pioneer it through the racing community because it's just such a short development cycle, and it's really uh, demanding. Uh, and and it, so it really helps us get our product to market faster, always with the goal of scaling it up to something larger scale production, right? Because that's what we do in, in principle. Um, so when we came up with DSSV shocks, really, that was a invention, as many things are, out of necessity. So we, we do everything, like I said, starting it at the vehicle level and simulating down what the components want to be. So we're sitting there looking at race cars and how to optimize race car or on road uh, passenger car handling performance and we'd always get down to through analysis through through simulation a, a set of damper specs that we always wanted to create but we could never get there in hardware you know because like, of the cost okay, or what 
No, just because of the way that damping was done through shims and we, you know, the shim shucking process is a bit of trial and error and it wasn't, yeah. you couldn't calculate exactly what you wanted. So you'd have to just ran, you know, through trial and error, get as close as possible. Really? So, so, so even, even the most so, complex fluid dynamics model wouldn't no. do it justice. So, so ba back up a yeah, little bit. So no, here's what's crazy. Yeah. It's like if you were to take a standard, uh, you know, disc deflection shim style shock, it doesn't matter you may need to tune that, you know, 200 times to get a ride profile that you want. First on the shock dyno, take it apart, put it on the vehicle, test it, take it apart, put it right. on the shock dyno, over and over again, hundreds of times, which takes weeks and weeks and sometimes months to and, dial and we in. Did it. Yeah, and, yeah we did right. It. And so anybody doing shock tuning, you know, you look at the aftermarket, right? And you look at you know people who are companies people, that are people selling. People who don't race, by the way, our listeners who have never raced or taken a shock apart have no idea what went into the shocks to make it ride the way it does. But even look right. at the aftermarket who's coming back and they're going, well, why do these shocks perform or ride better than what I have on my car? You have a multi-billion-dollar company built this car, and here's this multi-million-dollar company saying that my performance is going to be improved with their product. But the reality is, is there's cost. There's twin tube versus monotube technology. There's linear digressive pistons. There's a bunch of things that go yeah. into tuning. Well, it takes a ton of time, and all that time equals R&D dollars, and all that time you takes longer and longer. What Multimatic did is they came up with this, and I'll let you explain it because I think you can probably no, explain it better it. than me, but they came up with a spool valve technology, right? So the spool valve technology- You're going to try it, aren't you? Well, I was just going to say what's, <laughs> a, what's amazing about it is it's so precise that they do have computational fluid dynamic- computers that can get you what 90% of the way there and then you cut your yeah. tuning down to literally weeks so what maybe took 200 sessions before in the real world with the multimatic DSSV because it's they're so precise and it's been modeled already in the computer it's more precise than what a shim style shock can be they can take that down to weeks as part of the R&D and therefore saving costs and time for the OE and then Michael, if you want to explain DSSV, because it's a wild concept, and I, I know you and I sat down a couple of years ago in Vegas and walked through, uh, you know, some uh, some animations and me holding yeah. a cut apart, you know, or a, a take apart shock and cut away. And we looked at it and we just got frustrated. A lot of great damper products out there, including some of our own we we're making, which are shim based. And um, and we said, look, there's, you know, if you look to every other form of really precise hydraulic flow control that's out there in the industry not in shocks and i mean shocks do a great job all of them do dampers all do a great job in cars of just of turning mechanical energy your, your your suspension traveling you know upward into heat that's what they do and and they dissipate it and that all works just fine but on um, every other precise form of fluid flow control uses a spool valve if you think about an airplane uh, it's a servo-controlled spool valve, and you think about a backhoe, it's a lever-controlled spool valve. And so we did the usual thing and asked ourselves, you know, the famous, how hard, how hard can that be? Like, let's put a spool <laughs> valve, right? Let's put a spool valve in a damper. And the reason why it's so important is that, for us, is that, in theory, a spool valve, you can exactly calculate the shape of the spool, of the orifice you want to put in the spool to give you the force velocity curve. So we could get to the damper curve through simulation we wanted. We just struggled with how do you build an actual device that gives it back to you. And now with the spool valve, we said, aha, that would allow us to actually, you know, calculate it ahead of time, manufacture it, build it, and it will give us the force velocity curve that we want and in a much more precise way. Um, so that was the theory. It took a couple of years to actually make it work, and there's a lot of little tricks that it, that it took. But in 2002, we raced it for the first time in Champ Car, Indy, IndyCar, but at the time it was called, you know, Champ Car. 
Um, we won, we did it exclusive with Newman Haas racing. That was one of the things we always wanted to do when we break a new technology out is we didn't, you know, we're interested in developing the technology, not supplying the whole grid. And we ended up winning four, um, champ car championships with Newman Haas. And then, and ultimately it got banned. Um, <laughs> what? that's how you know you've <laughs> yeah. done something with technology yeah. is when they ban you. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we we were tasked with, you know, um, supplying the rest of the grid, and we said, no, we're not interested in that. And then they went to a spec damper um, <laughs> for, uh, wow. in that form of racing. So we moved over to IRL with Andretti Green Racing for a season, and we won a championship there with Tony Kanaan. And then in uh, parallel to that, we were also involved in Formula One, because you would, right? It's a non-competing series to Champ Car. And another way to keep developing the technology. Um, but I think I was mentioning earlier, you know, we're, we weren't in the business of, of doing racing for advertising. We're doing it to develop the technology. So the first team we worked with in Formula One, still to this day, I'm not allowed to talk about, but they're, they're a front runner, have been for a long time. And and um, because we did it as an engineering contract. For, for us, if the team's, it's particularly in Formula One, where everybody throws product at them and millions of dollars for them to put your product on their car, we figured if we've got a technology that's enough for them to pay us money, then maybe we're on to something. And that's kind of a litmus test for us. Well, the F1 uh, also, yeah. Michael, I don't think people in the U.S. understand that it is so much bigger everywhere else yeah. in the world than here. And it's a breeding ground for technology, too. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of things going on, whether it's traction control, whether it's uh, drivetrain technology, whether it's suspension and brakes. There's a lot of things being tried out there. And, and that, you know, I don't know that people realize, but, you know, you guys are on, let's say, the Ford GT, for example. I mean, there's a lot of high-end supercars, uh, vehicles that, that you guys have your product on. And it's it's quite an accomplishment considering you guys were making door hinges back in the 80s. <laughs> right? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, things have moved on quite a bit. I, you mentioned the Ford GT. It's it, Ford's been very kind to us about our involvement in that program because, again, you know, normally we'd be um, very hush about it. But they've, they've been very public. Even at the uh, SAE World Congress a year ago, they rolled out the whole story of how that vehicle came to be, the 2016 version I'm talking about now, the road car and the race car. Yeah. And it's all public knowledge now that you know Multimatic was there from the ground level as the engineering source, not and, and uh, not just the suspension. I'm talking the whole car. The whole car. You guys are the, building the it, race right? car and the road car, yeah. and we build it. Yeah, we're the vehicle assembler for that. And wow. So we do a bit of full vehicle um, engineering and production, and it's so it's kind of nice because even though they're low volume, you got to solve all the same problems that that you have to solve in high volume as far as complexity goes and you just have to certify the vehicle for every market for safety and crash and all those things and still have it be hyper performance right um and meet the requirements so it's it is really a good proving grounds for us it draws a lot of talent into our organization which let's face it that's what makes the biggest difference is the people right and so those kind of projects um drawing a lot more capability than let's say what a door hinge would right, yeah, right. But, but but we take those same brains and, and innovative minds and i always say this you know people in the oem world a lot of people would say well a door hinge is a commodity meaning you can buy one from anywhere but it's actually not true if you can come to the table and save a kilo or two kilos in weight um with your door hinges or allow them to design a certain way because the standoff distances with a door hinge it's no longer a commodity it's a differentiator it allows them to do something with their product for their customers that you know their com competition can't do so that's kind of how we just think about everything we're involved in is how do you how do you make it a differentiator for your customer and you only get one cycle out of that by the way you, you, as soon as you come to market everybody know, else everybody, follows 
Right. Yeah. They're so, gunning so for the top. You're the bullseye, and so it's always about how do you how do you keep advancing that and keep getting better than what you previously did or where your competitors are at and what they're doing because you know our pace, which, which is what's great about the automotive industry if you think about it, right? The pace of development's incredible. Well, and let's take that line of that line of reasoning and talk about the Colorado ZR2 and how you guys came on it. Because let's face it, when the Colorado ZR2 um, concept came out at the LA Auto Show, I believe it was uh, 2000 and was it 14 or 15? It had King Shocks on it, which is a obviously a, a loved aftermarket brand. But when it yeah. came to production, it had something nobody had ever heard of before, and that's the Multimatic DSSV shocks. And they're wild looking. Um, GM allowed you guys to co-brand with them, which is huge. Um, you guys kind of have a different uh, a different color scheme um, on it that stands out from everybody else. But it ended up being a marketplace differentiator over the TRD Pros and and even you know Raptor and uh, you know other shock why, upgrades. Why did Sean? What why did they do that? Like why why do you think? And Michael Wayne let you put the logo on this. Like they could have just it could have been white label. I, I think it's again marketplace differentiation, and because Mark Dickens at uh, General Motors yeah. ha- believed in it because he was in charge of the Chevy performance parts portfolio and the performance vehicles portfolio. I think he believed in the brand so much that when it came to development, they went to Multimatic and said, can you do an off-road truck shock? And Multimatic, which hadn't traditionally been in the truck space, says, let's, let's give it a go. They hired some amazing um, uh, consultants from the off-road space and they collaborated and they took this technology that had really only been seen you know, on road circuits and things like that and put it to the test in, in the dirt environment. And what's interesting is if you go to trucktrend.com or fourwheeler.com, there's an article by Jason Gonderman that shows the cutaway that shows how DSSV shock works. So if you're at all interested in the conversation about what DSSV and how it's unique, go to a four-wheeler, go to Truck Trend and find that article. But what's interesting is it almost looks like a triple-bodied shock where typically you'd have a, a, a single body in a, in a remote reservoir. Now, these aren't your traditional twi- um, you know, monotubes like you would have from a Bill Stein or a Fox or a King, but there's some really interesting differences. Now, when you have a reservoir shock, think of it, you have an inline, two inline cylinders, right? Uh, one holds the piston and the oil and the gas, and then the reservoir holds excess oil and gas and usually has a dividing piston in there. And so as the shock is cycling going up and down, the, the, the piston inside the, uh, the reservoir is moving back and forth and fluid is flowing in and out, in and out, in and out in, a, in one path. Okay. And so the idea behind a remote reservoir shock is because you have more oil volume, you're less likely to heat up and cavitate, which is why performance shocks ha- are bigger and have more volume. And, and that allows the piston to float in a column of oil and not be lost to bubbles and cavitation, which can no longer support the piston, which when they get hot and cavitate, now your, yeah. your ride and handling goes yeah. Okay, the DSSV, while it's not a traditional monotube and it's not a remote reservoir, it has this kind of trick triple body look to it, there's check valves in it. So while it has a lot of oil in it, everything only moves in one direction around the shock as it's cycling. So you're using all the oil. back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so you're getting the benefit of a monotube with extra oil capacity, but you're putting it through a spool valve, and because everything moves in one direction, it can't back up on itself, and you're not reusing heated oil. It's going through the shock to where you can use cooler oil. And so it's really kind of this novel idea, and I'd like for, uh, for Michael to kind of talk about how did you get on Colorado ZR2, and what made you guys say yes to jumping into the off-road space, which is highly competitive? And first off, Michael, did did, did Holman explain it correctly? 
Well, I was going to say, uh, I know you got a good day job, and even this podcast is a good night job, Sean. But you know, if you're ever looking for some work, we've got engineering <laughs> <laughs> positions we're looking to fill. You nailed it. It's, um, it's a, it was a great path to get there, and and you you couple, you touched on a couple of things. One was the brand and not the co-branding, and how did that come to be, and then how did our involvement come to be on Z02? So I'll try to walk through that. We started off on Z28 actually with with Chevy first um, on the which was a a more natural offshoot from say formula one technology to a track basically track based variant of the Camaro that they wanted to go like hell. Right. And, and, um, really for a fairly good price point embarrass a lot of far more expensive vehicles. And if you ever go back and read any articles about the Z 28 and any of the handling shootouts or performance shootouts, that's really was the takeaway was I couldn't believe how much performance was packed into a vehicle at that price point. And it was important, uh, even then to, to, to uh, in the vehicle launch and the introduction was the the uh, DSSV linkage and the technology that was derived from Formula One was a, an important part of branding that just like Brembo brakes or you know Michelin tires and there's an association with performance that was a direct link there and the mindset I think carried over into the ZR2 which was exactly you know Mark Dickens and Gary Klein and Gary Klein I don't know if you guys know Gary but he he was um, the, the bomb family owner they called it for dampers at GM and he was really one of the key people that that uh, latched on to the idea of taking our spool valve technology and putting it on a Chevy up until then the the largest volume vehicle we were on was the Ferrari uh F430 challenge car right which was that's not very track. high volume <laughs> no it's but a, it's, it's like it's a pretty damn cool year, car though. yeah it is compared to compared to six car sets a year for <laughs> yeah. Red Bull Formula 1 it's right. you know, it was a big Feels step pretty for good us. yeah yeah and but just about the same time that was launching you know we ended up getting on um amg gt so that's a new you know wow. that's still in production today so yeah. we're on the amg gt we're on the Camaro. Now we're on the Camaro Z01 1LE. But when when the Chevy guys came to us with, hey, we've got an idea for the successor of the Z28, the, the, and and it really came from a lot of the organization that had some familiarity with it. Not only did they see the the performance we brought in hardware, they they realized how quickly we got to market with it. And it was some of the things, Sean, you were touching on at the beginning of this conversation with our ability to do simulation. And when we did the ZR2, we actually had, and think about this, it's position sensing damper. So that's more complicated because you have to tune it for different ranges of travel, obviously. We have the diesel and the gas um, that have different specifications on that vehicle, right? And we had, if you talk to the GM engineers, we had less than one-tenth of the valve code changes that they would normally have on just one variant, just just a gas engine variant, non-position sensing in a normal program. And so think of what that does to condense your product development cycle down or get to a better answer within a period of time that you have. That's really what it's about is, you, you know, you, you maximize the time you have to make the car better. Um, so we did that on Z28. They then came to us and said, hey, we got an idea to follow up. We were thinking the next Z28, right? <laughs> when they said, how about a truck? How about a truck? Like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, you mentioned some of the guys. Uh, Brian Cadella was one yep. of the guys that came on board and, and really um, helped with Darren Bonney and uh, Brad Shriver and some people that had some – with NGM, some really good off-road experience. And we had the confidence of, you know, the leadership team at General Motors, too. You know, guys like Mark Royce, who saw what we were able to do on the uh, Z28. 
And I got to give GM credit. I mean, they could have gone the safe way in the off-road world, which would be King or Fox or uh, many of the great products that are established in that space. But they said, you know, if we do that, how are we going to differentiate ourselves, right? We can maybe be as good as uh, everybody else, but we believe in this technology and that it has a potential to go beyond what anybody else has done. And, uh, and, and they gave us a go, thankfully, and it, and it worked out, right? And that's just our first foray into it we're learning very rapidly and i think you know we've got a lot more oh, to come i like to see those shocks on a longer travel like 12 inch travel truck because i think they would be amazing and i had the opportunity to race with um hall racing and chad hall who's campaigning a, oh, yeah. a zr2 yeah. on your upgraded um multi-matic dssv shocks that you can now purchase from your chevy dealer okay that's what i was trying yeah. to i was going to get in my right. next question was, can you buy them and how, and what would these things cost? Do you have any idea, Michael? Yeah, I do. The uh, the, the pricing was a little bit late after the launch, and I think it's just come out now, and we're stocking the shelves on that. But the the I think the entire package, which is a, it's not just the shocks, right? There's a lot of different um, components that get added to the truck. So you take a standard ZR2, which is highly capable, and you literally can turn it into the same race truck that Chad Hall is racing, right? And, and Chad Hall and the team had a big hand in developing that variant. So it's control arms, it's increased travel, it's uh, skid plates, boron steel skid plates underneath, you know, special bumpers and the shocks. That whole package, when you think about it, it's 20, I think it's $25,000. And you basically have a race-ready truck that you can go out in the Best in the Desert series. These guys raced this thing for two seasons and didn't miss a mile in the entire Best in the Desert series. And if you look at the times they, they did, for like the Vegas Reno race, um, that's pretty impressive for what's basically yeah, a stock, stock truck. Yeah, stock truck with with yeah. bolt-on suspension. You know, they've got some light racing jounces that are that are uh, you know branded as GM performance parts or Chevy performance Correct. parts. Now yep. they've got that really cool uh, diff cover that adds a additional link um, uh, that keeps the axle in check and, and helps to I guess reduce axle hop. New leaf spring pack. They've got the new control arms. So what specifically? What, did you say twenty five k? Is that what we're talking about? Twenty twenty five k. Yeah, and okay. and uh, I think the dampers. You know, they sell it modular as well. They can you can break it down, but there's certain just to get the race dampers on there. They're extended travel, so obviously it doesn't make sense to have them without the control arms that give you extended travel as well. But the dampers alone are about eight thousand dollars for front and rears all in. What, what is the uh, what is the difference between the uh, Chevy Performance Parts upgraded dampers that are on Chad's truck that that I got to experience racing versus the standard ZR2 shocks because I know there are uh, quite a few changes on those to to make them more robust and and yeah. uh, more travel and all that. I mean, fundamentally they're the same as far as the whole whole way they operate, but they're they've been expanded for both uh, increased side loads and increased suspension travel. So you're talking about an inch ex an extra inch of travel. Um, on the fronts, I think it might be a couple inches on the rear. Uh, the shafts have increased quite a bit. So on the standard uh, dampers, you've got 14 mil shafts front and rear. It goes up to 18 on the front, 16 on the rear, and uh, it's just more robust for you know racing, obviously. And and uh, that was just another great thing where racing again accelerates the pace of development, and and you get that product to the market really quickly right and that becomes a good venue for our future development activities that we can then scale up on a higher volume production basis yeah. here's the really cool thing like when you if you think about what you you get when you buy um a zr2 production zr2 the engineering that goes into it because it's scalable right you can share it over 15 20 000 people a year 
uh, you get a really, really optimized, well-engineered product um, that that goes through h- hundreds of hours of four post-rig testing, driver-in-the-loop simulation, on-road testing and evaluation. By the way, and I want to be in a truck on a four-post tester because that, that looks like be a lot fun. of fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> now you should come on by. We can do. We can arrange that. Do you guys yeah. have that in in uh, your facility in Detroit? We have it at our technical center in Toronto, not too far away from Detroit. Oh, so we might have to uh, do a candidate. And Michael, what else yeah. do you have there? I'm dying to. What does it look like inside Multimatic? We've got you know we've got uh, 16 manufacturing facilities around the world, and then we've got uh, basically five technical center locations around the world. But our largest ones in Toronto, and and our second largest is in England. And so there's there's different things different toys if you will in, in each one of those toy boxes but it is an engineer's playground that's what it looks like on the inside if you come it's also a podcaster's around. playground yes it uh, is it, is. <laughs> it will it's, be soon what does that button do do not cool touch <laughs> and and you'll see we've got every square foot you know uh, occupied with some cool things so you'll you'll see a, a full carbon shop with three autoclaves oh and like a cutting room, producing awesome. producing all the parts so we, we you know we make the ford gt but also we realize we're not just assembling the vehicle we're making 50 percent of the components that go into the That's vehicle amazing. as well so you, you have a carbon shop right next to a four post rig facility that you know, testing uh, vehicles for performance, which is just down the hall from a driver in the loop simulator that you can get in and drive vehicles before they're ever built. So um, now, wait, wait Michael, do, do you ever look at a company like Koenigsegg, right, which makes yeah. bespoke hypercars, hypercars, yeah. hypercars, and say, whatever, child's play? No, 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 no. You'd never do that. They're cool for what they do. It's in a di- in a totally different way. There's, it, it, I think it's just amazing what some people do with very limited resources, right? You think of Koenigsegg or or companies like you, they put up numbers and performance values that are incredible. Um, but when you start working with the bigger OEMs, they've got they've got to meet a certain standard. They've got to federalize their product for around the world, and it's the jump from you know, limited production. A boutique niche yeah. sort of company. Right. Following uh, up real quick on the uh, on the Chevy ZR2, Chevy Performance Parts catalog. So this is everything that you need to turn your ZR2 into Chad Hall's race truck. So if everything, everything but the stickers, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's a ZR2, one and a half inch body. These are, by the way, all available at your dealer. Uh, so the one and a half inch body lift system, the front lift kit with high angle upper control arm ball joint system, which I believe is a Multimatic part. The uh, high angle upper control arm. Oh, ball, that's it's gas and diesel. That's why it's listed twice. Uh, the right. front long travel DSSV shocks, also Multimatic. The rear long travel DSSV shocks. The long travel leaf spring system, anti wrap link system, the jount striker leaf spring mount system, cross beam yep. system, front jount shock, rear jount shock, tie rod sleeve, rear differential cover, steel drive shaft, ball spline half shafts. Wow. That's yeah. so that's uh, a lot. Pretty uh, good lot. value. Yeah. Pretty good value, right? And it's all race tuned and prepped by Chad Hall. So if you think about what that's worth, because it's got, you know, thousands of miles of durability testing and optimization and tuning built into it, which in in, in for post rig testing at Multimatic and 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 so all of that. If if you were somebody that wanted to go off and just do it on your own, it would be, you know, so cost prohibitive I can't even tell you. Um so there's uh, and and, and right. when you and when you buy the stuff, you get Chad Hall's number, so you can text him and blow him up and go, man, I love your stuff, bro. <laughs> I actually have Chad Hall's on. number. I wonder if Chad on. would That's return it. my uh, my text right now. <laughs> probably not. Pro- probably not. No, probably um, not. I, I've raced with him and his brother Josh and and their dad Rod and and man, they're just a great racing family. Um, just one more thing on the DSSV upgraded shocks. 
It's a 15% increase in travel on the front with a- Yeah, 10% uh, eight, on the rears. Yeah, 18 millimeter diameter uh, rod. And then also on the rear, the, the according to Chevy, you get up to, uh, it's 11 inches of travel with the system. So, I mean, you could have yeah. a lot of fun. And I've raced in the race truck, and it is really good for being based on a stock truck. Well, uh, thank you for uh, sharing the stories with us, Michael. I feel like we need to have you in studio when you're in SoCal again. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. I would enjoy that. Yeah, I, I couldn't make it to the LA Auto Show this year just because of uh, extensive travel, but um, I usually try to get there for it, and uh, that would be a lot of fun. We'll, tr- we'll and, trade and, you and, for and, a uh, maybe, access in Toronto. Yeah, maybe we'll give you a four post ride <laughs> in exchange. For, that sounds uh, sounds dirty. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want a four post ride. So, yeah. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, thanks thank you, Michael. Really appreciate you uh, carving out some time for us. Yeah, thank Thanks, you so great, much, great and I, I'm sure we're going to have some more stuff to talk to you about uh, in the near future. <laughs> ZR2 Silverado, and um, in, if that does happen, we will have you back on for sure, my friend. Uh, sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. All right, All right. Talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Thanks. Right, bye-bye. Bye. So who knew, right? Holman, you know it's been a really long time since we've done... What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh! Oh! That was like we were one voice right there. That was bizarre. That was, uh... I like that. Yeah, it was interesting. What do you got? What's new in the world of trucks? Uh, I, I think I lied to you. We don't have any news. No, no, no. I, oh. I, I told I told everybody last time we would announce the uh, four wheeler pickup truck of the year winner. Oh, and I busted you, and I was like, "Why didn't you give it to us last time?" And now you got to give it. To-? And so wait, wait, wait. What? You're not giving it to us this time? I have it now. Oh, okay. Oh, we just forgot last time. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so and it is the pickup, the four wheeler. What is it called? The 2019 four wheeler pickup truck of the year is the 2019 Ram Rebel 1500. And the 2019 <laughs> four-wheeler SUV of the year is the 2019 Jeep Wrangler. Okay. So you know what's weird about that? No. This is the first time in the history of- Wait, the Jeep Wrangler? Uh-huh. This is the first- Not the Gladiator. Not out yet. Oh, right. Of course not. Uh, this is the first time in the history, and by the way, it's SUV of the year. Gladiator will be next year for pickup truck of the year. Okay. Not the winner, but in the competition. Okay. I'm not saying that. Anyway. Oh, Dave, you're going to oh, get paid for that. Uh, <laughs> right? Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Motor Trend's pickup truck of the year, or what they call it the truck of the year, Ram. Truck Trend, truck of the year, Ram. Four-wheeler, pickup truck of the year, Ram. Mm. First time ever that that's happened, because typically Motor Trend and us at the truck side of the the company, we look for different things. And Motor Trend is more consumer focused, and we actually do a lot of uh, more like skills testing and heavy duty uh, towing and uh, off road, uh, off road, and just all, all sorts of stuff. Like we we take it, and then the way that they score is different than the way we score, and so typically we have different outcomes. This is the first time ever, and also Motor Trend's SUV of the year. Traditionally, not a Wrangler fan over there because of the refinement and stuff. Although the new Wrangler JL. So good, it walked away with Motor Trend's SUV of the year. Hmm. Never has it happened where the truck group of Motor Trend chose the same vehicles. Really? Wrangler, Wrangler, well, and well, Ram, well, Ram, Ram, Ram. No, no, really? Never in history? It's never happened. How many years has this been going on? Oh, I don't Over know. Over 40, right? Well, four-wheeler of the year has been going on. Yeah, I mean, it's look look online. We have like the, his, the list hey, of previous I, I'm not stuff, trying to but, source you. I'm just trying. It's been yeah. decades. So here's what's kind of interesting about this is that 
both the Wrangler JL and the Ram are so well-rounded that they appeal to both the off-road and uh, truck judges at the Truck and Off-Road Group, as well as the Motor Trend side. Hmm. So kind of interesting. And that is a vi- this is one of the most competition-filled ever, too. Our pickup truck competition had the Ram, mm-hmm. had the, the uh, GM Twins, the Sierra AT4, and the Trail Boss Chevy. Mm-hmm. We had the Tundra TRD Pro. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, I mean, that's a stacked field. And uh, just, just amazing. Was there a quality in the Ram that all the judges said, I, I couldn't live without the that one The interior and the technology. Okay. Like, it's just so well done. You sit in the GMs. And the platform feels pretty good. It's got great steering. The brakes, huge upgrade so over previous answers, trucks. This answers Jake's question there right you here go. about, you know, do you buy one fully loaded? And if given the opportunity to get the new Ram, all the judges would have bought the new Ram. We we uh, we love the new Ram. Um, again, the GM trucks are great. Chassis is really good. If you're a Chevy guy and you go into the new Silverado, mm-hmm. you can go, this is an amazing truck if you never cross shop anything. But you're, you're missing out by not at least putting your butt in the Ram. The interior quality materials and differences are 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 very drastic. And on the, the Chevy and GM stuff, or GMC stuff, the interior is very stark. You don't know which model you're in because they are all, they're all black and they just, you know, it's just stark. You go in the Ram and it's just so much more interesting to look at. Hmm. And the Ram is just super comfortable for all of us who, who are on the judging panel. We all felt like you could just get Because you're it. all overweight? Nope, not oh. even. We have a guy who's like <laughs> five foot two. Um, and by the way, freaking Jared, who is the tech editor at Four Wheeler, he, we borrowed him for Truck Trends Pick a Truck of the Year. Okay. Guess who was in front of me in the frickin' rotation? I, he was? Yes, and he's like five foot two. Oh. So every single time you I get in the, the frickin' seat the seat and... and the steering wheel, my knees were touching, I couldn't get in. So guess what? When we went on four-wheeler pickup truck of the year, guess who was in front of me in the frickin' rotation? <laughs> frickin' Jared again. So I yelled at him. I go, listen, you will... Put the seat back, because I'm sick and tired of getting in the freaking truck and having my knees touch the dashboard. Can't he just set him position one and you position two? Well, there's like 10 judges, so oh. not really, because okay. everybody messes with okay, each other. Okay, got so. it. All right. <clears throat> so I get to the truck, and he has the seat all the way back and the seat back all the way back. Oh, all the way back to like reclining. And he's like my new kid, right? Like he's worked for us for like a year. And I'm like, oh, hell no. And I'm like, get back in that truck and fix it. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, he was in front of me for every single truck test this year, and I, I just it was. I'm happy I'm not driving after him anymore. Okay. Hey, just just a silly question here. Where is Nissan in this? Because we didn't mention them. Why were they? Uh, because it's new or significantly revised vehicles. Ah, yes. And so okay. the Titan actually won uh, truck 20, trends. Okay, uh, like 2017. Oh, 17. Yeah, okay. 2017 for the Titan, and still a great truck. Love that truck, but nothing new. Now I hear mm-hmm. through the grapevine. That we'll have some stuff to talk about later. This from the redhead that was sitting right across from you in like uh, like giving us. Oh, she won't tell me anything. Oh, she won't. Other sources. (laughs) (laughs) She'll tell me on her timetable. Oh, really? I have to know. I have to know people. She'll feed us disgusting uh, Uh, fruitcake, but she won't give us secrets. Yeah, something like that. Bogus. Something like that. So, um, so yeah. So uh, Nissan will have a. There'll be some news later coming up. Okay, uh, good on them. But yeah, so uh, this year that's uh, what one. And then speaking of the GM, the AT4 on the GMC, GMC just released a new uh, performance package. What little, does what wait what what little pricey though performance package meaning you can add what? yeah so you can add their intake and exhaust and bump the horsepower up to four hundred and thirty five oh really and four sixty nine pound feet of torque okay with by the six point two liter ten speed bumping it up to do what are you doing what are they doing to their it? intake and exhaust okay and I'm sure uh, engine tune or something like that okay but any ideas on price uh, the the package forty one hundred um 
$4,940. Oh, ouch. $4,900? bucks. Yeah. I did say forty one. I'm not that You're far not off. You're not that far off, but forty nine hundred dollars for what, what again, what's the what's the power gain? Um so you go to uh it was four, like forty fifty horsepower. I, I believe it's four uh four hundred and twenty horsepower and like Well what's the gain for f- almost five thousand dollars? It's fifteen horsepower. Excuse me? <laughs> it's it's fifteen horsepower. I'm, I, I'm waiting for the joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? It's an upgraded exhaust, an air intake, yeah. 18-inch wheels with Goodyear Wrangler Duratrack tires. Okay. You get 15 horsepower, 9 pound-feet of torque. Yeah. So you're at 435 horsepower and 469 torque. I could I, I could go to my CAD department mm-hmm. at work. But not everybody has a CAD department. And for, for about three hours of labor, I could come up with a, an intake that would... I'm outperform just, just saying 4,915 horsepower 15 horsepower I wonder what that is dollars per horsepower why don't you do that math for me dollars per $4,900 15 horsepower that's uh, $330 per horsepower <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying let's just move along because that does not seem to be like a uh, a popular uh, one there uh, so that so that <laughs> so that happened what else you got? Medium duty Silverado. Oh, tell me more. Uh, it is now hitting dealerships. Oh, they're shipping last week. So I can and... go and salivate. To, I, I'm going to look at. I'm going to enjoy everything but the grill. You don't like the grill? <laughs> I well, I'm sure I'm going to warm up to it. Mm, I, the offset bow but, tie doesn't do anything for me. Mm. I like I like it all centered and it just looks. So going to be a GMC version of that? No, just Silverado. Oh man. Well, people are going to swap out those grills. So there's going to be billet versions and all that stuff. Do you remember when everyone had a uh, horizontal, ver- vertical, like, what are the, the louvers? Yeah. Everyone had that grow for a while, yeah. and now it just looks Egg so crate for a while. Dated. And, it looks yeah. so, just that billet aluminum grills looks lame. Anyway, you're tr- that I can we, mm, I want to drive one. Can I, can I, can I drive it? I don't know if they have any of the uh, press fleet, but I can look. Okay. I, I know some people. Yeah. I would love to borrow one. Just take it for a spin. All I, right. I'd, yeah. I'd love to get behind, behind the wheel of that big boy. Uh, did you see uh, that uh, Land Rover is uh, trolling people? No. How so? Uh, the hashtag Defender 2020. Defender 2020. Put that in okay. your pipe and smoke it. Or throw it on your Instagram. Defender 2020. What's the, I don't get it. Uh, they announced that the Land Rover Defender is making a comeback. Okay. And will be available in America. Okay. In 2020. Oh, got so it. So the boxy Defender, uh, just like the Broncos about they to were make- making some political statement or something, <laughs> yeah, you know no. what I mean? Um, or it was an old Eddie Murphy movie. Right. Defender 2020? <laughs> coming to America. Oh, coming to America. <laughs> that sounds like, oh, what if Defender, the video game, had a new version in 2020? Uh, see? Remember that, Defender? Yeah, I do remember <laughs> Defender. God, the graphics were so horrible. 8-bit love right there. Oh, love it. Um, so uh, Broncos coming back in 2020, going to be announced later in 2019. There are a lot of people waiting for that. Defender, mm-hmm. playing in that same sandbox, mm-hmm. coming back. And by the spy photos, so basically they wrapped it in a graphic um, that is teasing people. So oh. if you hash- go to go to trucktrend.com or Defender hashtag Defender2020, and uh, you can look at the vehicles. Uh, from what we can tell, the spare tire is mounted on the rear door. Okay. That's cool. Uh, looks like it has air suspension. It's all independent suspension, just like you would expect from the rest of the uh, the okay. Land Rover lineup. Uh, don't know that much, other than after uh, 23 years, uh, they're bringing it back. Oh, it's been that long. It's been that long. It's probably going to look so damn similar. So the uh, the Land Rover Defender, the Ford Bronco, the Jeep Wrangler, 
I mean, that's going to be a fun little space right there. Yeah. I can't wait to do a shootout of those three. It's going to be, it's a really good time in trucks and it's going to be a really good time in, what are those, what are we calling those things? SUVs? Yeah, like mid, they're not. mid-sized SUVs. Mid-size, sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, it, one's going to be solid axle. One's going to have uh, independent front suspension. The other's going to have four-wheel independent suspension. Man, that damn Gladiator so cool. Uh, We're going to see so awesome. many at SEMA this year. I think we are, right? Or is it going to, no, no not. It's going to be SEMA, SEMA 2020. 2020. I don't know, because, no, I think they go into production in spring. Oh, this spring? Yeah, this spring. So we will see right, Yeah, you will see my SEMA this spring. Oh, my God. Those things are going to look gorgeous lifted. Oh, wow. dude, There's already uh, friends out there who've been posting photoshops of them I've never lifted. owned a Jeep product. I've told you that. This might be the first. Uh, it's it's solid. Yeah. Okay, it's, keep it's, going. It's what do you solid. got? I, huh. um, I might be one of the only people in the world who have uh, touched both a 2020 Ram Heavy Duty and a 2020 Silverado Heavy Duty. Hmm. Are you writing up pieces that will live on trucktrend.com? Uh, yes, as well as fourwheeler.com. So okay. there'll, be, there'll be some more stuff coming. As soon as the embargo breaks, we can talk about it on the on the podcast. We have Tim Herrick back. We can have Jim Morrison from Ram back okay. on. Um, I will tell you with Can I, like, can I ask you this? Well, wait, can I, I, I want to ask you this. We're, we, we've been really kind of gloating over the Ram, mm-hmm. right? The tech, mm-hmm. the interior. Mm-hmm. Can you at least tell me that it's as good or close or can you not talk about that i can tell you it's the exact same interior as the 1500 same cab on chevy's okay. heavy duty huh mm-hmm. which is nice mm-hmm. but you weren't blown away by it i'm just saying it's the same one okay. it has push button that's cool yeah, push button what start okay uh it has uh some other stuff that you um, can't talk about okay the All right. uh the 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 in uh bed step mm-hmm. genius in bed step. Oh, that's why you had a picture of that with yeah. your foot in it. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what was my first teasing shot. Right, right. Uh, ahead of the rear axle in the bed. So normally the bed steps hang down below the frame. This is in the bodywork so that it's at the right height to step into it. Okay, but doesn't also take away from, uh, uh, you know ground clearance. And everybody who has a diesel will be happy to know that the uh, DEF fill is now in the it, fuel filter. In the fuel filter. Okay. Yeah. And where's the def tank? Uh, it's protected. Okay. Inside the frame rail. It, does it hang as low as the 2017, 18, 19? I am at the limit of what I can tell you. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm just saying don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Yeah. I wish I could tell you more, but more's coming. And It's uh, one thing that we have a guest on the phone, and they're like an official at a company, uh-huh. and they're like, I'm sorry, I can't tell uh, you more. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Mr. Guest on the phone, we understand, but now you're sitting across from me, yeah. and I can't, uh, <sighs> you, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I, I, I All right, let's move on. I can't lose my gonna... place in line. Okay. <laughs> I understand. Know? And uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying it's, it, you'll, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Everybody will be fine. The world will be fine. Uh, and st- so Chevy fans will be, will be delighted. Yeah. And the people who hate will still hate. And, and we'll look back at the memes fondly as a uh, as a week of funniness on the Just internet. Just a blip. And right. it'll be fun. Blip on the radar of life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And uh, that's it for What's New in Trucks. So that means it's... You email. Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. You ain't dancing. Yes, I am. Get it on, get it on. I'm just going so fast, you can't even see it. Go, 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 go. Go, truck show. Go, truck show. You're off beat. Uh, That's (laughs) why I'm not a singer. It's it's go, truck show. Go, truck. You were like, alf, like by half a beat. (laughs) Yeah. What's wrong with you? I'm not surprised. Am I starting this one? 
Uh, go for it. Okay. Uh, this one is from Ian Lightning at Holman. Figured that I should uh, follow up due to the tone of Lightning's voice during the previous episode when you read my email. The issues with my F-250, while are minor in themselves, stack Remember, up. he's the one that said that he was having issues with his V-10 Super Duty. And you okay. asked, well, what's wrong with it? I think he's telling us that. I see. Well, the worst of it started off last year when I was trying to put my truck in reverse to back up into my parking spot at school. When I pushed the gear selector up, something snapped in my steering column. What then happened, I couldn't select any gears, leaving my truck stuck in drive. I was able to shut down my engine and left the car in the parking lot to get towed. After that, my truck became pretty well known. The Dixie horn that I installed with my dad <laughs> also helped to build the reputation of my truck. Love that. Oh, no, the Dixie horn. This year, I was out driving with a couple of my friends. My engine made some loud noises and pops during some hard acceleration. When we pulled up to the next stoplight, my friend said, hey, it sounds like your engine sounds like it's trying to <laughs> out a cylinder through the exhaust. Oh, wow. <laughs> the way I look at it, the reason that Ford made V10s to put in trucks since they weren't for the same reason as the Viper truck, is that you can lose a couple of cylinders and you still have a good V8. And then you put the happy <laughs> face, you know, the, the laughing, that, crying. That is laughing. a little bit funny. Now that my truck is running mainly a bit rough, like it's not getting the right compression, but I guess that's just my guess. As I was listening to your previous podcast, episode 44, I went to the Podchaser and gave you five stars. Hey! Yep. That, uh, Wait, I said what did you give my- us? Five stars! Thank you. Yep. I didn't expect that you would read it in full during your podcast. I know it's a bit lengthy. Edit at your discretion or don't read it on the podcast. I just love listening to your podcast. Keep on doing what you're doing, Ian. That's very cool. Thank you. Okay. Well, here's one from um, Brent. And Brent says, Holman and Lightning. Hashtag Team Holman. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's (laughs) effed up. I found the Truck Show podcast by Peter. Why would he say that? Uh, Because it's Because I suck? Uh, Do I have suckage coming out of my mouth? You. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, how does that? That's what she said. You did that one to yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. I found the Truck Show podcast by pure luck while searching iTunes a few months ago, and I've listened to every episode since. I admit the interest fell into the suckage category at first, but they've grown on me. (laughs) I now look forward to Mondays to get the new episodes to listen to while I head down the road in my semi. I also enjoy following you on Instagram. I am far from an extreme gearhead, but try to work on my own trucks as much as I can. I also grew up reading Mini Truck and Magazine, and my first truck was a 92 Ford Ranger XLT. I now have a 2011 Sierra 1500, and I'm looking to move up to a three-quarter ton. (gasps) He should buy your truck. Yes, he should. (laughs) I've got a three-quarter ton. Uh, As we plan to upgrade our travel trailer, I'm looking for late 2000s for budget reasons and not brand loyal. I appreciate you helping me decide I don't need a diesel after listening to your previous episodes. I wanted your thoughts on the Ford V10. The good, the bad, and the ugly, or would you recommend the V8? Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work. I love the chemistry between you two, and even the two-hour-plus episodes seem to fly by. And uh, that's Brent K. from West Central Minnesota. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, the later V10s are much more reliable than the early ones. They don't shoot spark plugs out and dent the uh, bottom side of your hood or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Banks makes an incredibly good uh, header for those with uh, just adds a ton of torque. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends uh, what you're looking for. I, I think that all those trucks of, of that era in your price range are fine. Like, I don't think there's any that are bad. Just find one low miles that's been cared You're for. not partial to any of them. No. I mean, they all have their pros and cons. And... Um, if you're going to go... Which one can you find the parts most readily for? The Fords, probably, okay. I'd say. But I think one of the most underrated ones are the 8.1 liter big block Chevys. I agree, but they guzzle gas like a crazy thirsty dog. But so do all the gas engines while you're towing. No, that one was really bad. 
but it's 8.1 gas engine. So if you want, you know, diesel-like performance, but you don't want a diesel and you want the reliability of gas, you don't mm-hmm. really care about fuel economy, that's a pretty nice engine to look at. And they didn't build it for very long. If you tow a, a gas, a tanker truck full of fuel, okay, then it's deal. fine, right? <laughs> so be, then it makes sense. That'd be my thought on that one. So Right. Okay. This one's from Peter. Hey, Lightning and Holman or Holman and Lightning, depending on who reads it. Uh, well, it's Lightning and Holman because I'm reading it. <laughs> I love the podcast and it finally caught up. I started with the episode with Dick Lanfield and went back and listened to them in order. And I wasn't really sold on the jingles at first, but after listening to two or three episodes, I found them popping into my head whenever I heard someone say email. <laughs> my favorite is the part segment and the email jingle is a close second. And in parentheses, it says, proofread. <laughs> My two-year-old daughter heard the jingles while she was uh, well, she was in the truck with me, and she said, what's that song after each one? <laughs> <laughs> Your banter is great, and the guests you have uh, really give some great insight into OEM and aftermarket companies for all aspects of trucks. I especially like to hear the backstories on how these companies and people got started in the industry and keep the great interviews coming since the show helps me get through my Northern California commute. Well, I was driving down to Pismo Beach, which is amazing, by the way. If yeah. uh, you know, it's one, one of, of the, the only places you can drive on the beach in California. Uh, it might be the it might be is the, it only. the only one. It might be okay. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great sand spot. So you hear yeah. of Glamis and Pismo if you're in the Southern California yeah. area. Um, so anyway, I was driving down to Pismo Beach last month to spend the weekend in the, in the dunes for a friend's bachelor party. Well, that's a good spot for a bachelor party. Yes, yeah, you can get in trouble there. Just don't get stuck. A lot of people get stuck and with the their- the tide comes in. The tide comes <laughs> in and their fifth wheel is yeah. just- uh, oh, and yeah. by the way, the guy that tows him out, yeah. he ain't cheap. No, he isn't. I was listening to the Icon and Ted Moncure episodes, and it was getting me pumped for a weekend in the news. I was driving my 07 Ram 3500 SRW single rear wheel crew cab 4x4 with a 5.9 Cummins and G56. I was uh, towing a stock 89 Bronco that we affectionately called a P-Runner. Four friends and I went in on a $300 Bronco that we made just so we can bash it in the dunes. Uh, Somehow, it survived four long trips with lots of jumps and full throttle runs. The front end has enough negative camera to make a 240SX owner jealous. Stance! And he says, hella flush. (laughs) (laughs) And it has has zero oil pressure at idle and no rear brakes, but it still runs somehow. I have no clue. I included some videos uh, of some of the jumps that we did on the last trip, which we got to check out. He's got photos here as well. Nice. Um, Keep up the good work, fellas. And your show has greatly improved my Instagram feed with Kibbe Tech, Sadistic Ironworks, Little Shop, along with other guests that you've had on. I'm big in off-roading, but the street side of trucks is really cool, too. Here's a list of my current stable. He's got a 1970 Mach 1 uh, Mustang, Ooh. which his dad, and, his dad and, and he restored oh. when he was 15. He's 32 now. Uh, he's got an 07 Dodge Ram 3500. He's got okay. an 89 F350 Wheeler with a shortened wheelbase lockers on 38. Nice. Uh, oh, sadly, he's partying it, partying it out. Um, 88 Bronco, which is getting a one ton from parts off a 350 to make a family there you go. wheeler. And he's got a 2017 Wrangler JKU, his wife's car. It's pretty good stable. Yeah, that is pretty P.S. Nice I'll make sure to put enough gauges in the Bronco to mounter the key engine parameter. Hey! Monitor key engine <laughs> 
And that was from uh, Peter Morgan Hill, California. Very cool. I like the photos, too. That's bitching. I got one from uh, David from the East Coast. He says, love listening to you guys. It doesn't even feel like it take four and a half hour breaks at work. <laughs> uh, let's see. Some of our podcasts are just too yeah, they're, long. They're pretty I mean, long. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. It says, can't rate on Android, but five star. Uh, actually, you can rate on Android depending on uh, which app you use. But uh, Well, wait, wait. Will they go to iTunes? Because really the iTunes ratings are that, the ones that Those count. are the ones that count big time for us because it, it helps sucks, us for visibility. We know so. you guys are on Android. Yeah. I get it. But like- the problem is the podcasting world started yeah. at Six, Apple. 65% of all podcasts are uh, consumed on an Apple iOS device. And so anytime that you guys subscribe on Apple or give us a five-star on Apple, even if you just log into your iTunes on your uh, on your Windows machine or something. Why are you talking on the side of your mouth? I don't want them. I don't want Apple to hear us telling people that. This is recorded. Even though we're being quiet, they oh. can just turn it up and hear us. Oh, okay. All right. So if you have a Windows <laughs> machine with iTunes, just uh, find the podcast, give us five stars, and continue listening uh, uh, with reckless abandon on your Android device. And we would love you to share this. We really would. Yeah, I mean, please, if you're, please if you're into it and you enjoy it and you're at a truck stop, you're with family and friends over the holidays or whatever, just seriously go, you guys, have you heard that truck or shop, the use, truck show podcast? Use our new landing page link. Oh, yeah. Motortrend.com slash truck show podcast. Yeah, motortrend.com slash truck show podcast. Put so that in your uh, uh, Facebook and share. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, that's good for if, if you're talking to a buddy and, you know, like you don't know what platform he's on. Yeah, that's a good place to work. Yep. I had a 97 Ford F-150 with 4x4 where you had to get out of the truck to manually lock the hubs. Now with the engine seized, I'm wondering if I should get a 2008 to 12 Nissan Xterra or mm. Pathfinder or okay. is the Toyota 4Runner just that much better? Um, I would say the Nissan Xterra, which has won uh, our four-wheeler of the year in the past, mm-hmm. that generation is a tough, tough little truck, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I feel like you get more for your money on you that do, truck, right? You do. The Toyotas are pretty expensive, but the Nissan is just as capable off-road. Um, maybe not as refined. The the four-liter V6 is is a little bit more trucky, but mm-hmm. you can get them with a six-speed manual. Plenty of room in them, and they're really reliable. You can get into six-speed manual? Yes, you can. What? Yeah, and uh, that was, in fact, the off-road package. Uh, had Bilstein shocks, full skid plating, tow hooks, like all the stuff that you'd want. I'd okay. find an Xterra off-road and get one of those, and they were a lot of fun to off-road in. Do you remember what years they made those from when to when? Yeah, so uh, he's talking about the 08 to 12. That's the last, the later generation. Those okay. are the better ones. Okay. Uh, but I like that truck a lot, or that little SUV a lot. Um, I like the 4Runner too, but if you're looking for something that is a little different than everybody, costs a little bit less, you know, doesn't have the Toyota name, mm-hmm. um, so you're not paying that premium. There's a lot to love about the Xterra. I think it was one of the most underappreciated uh, off-road SUVs of its time. I really do. Yeah, I had a friend that had one, and we had a lot of fun on that thing, beating it up, and um, it just would it would take everything you could dish at it. Yeah, no, they they were great. Do you dish at things? No, uh, I said that wrong. What? How did you? How, you could throw at it. Yeah, throw at it, not but, dish. But, but where did dish come from? I don't know. It would you could dish out. You dish out, but you right. can't throw out. Well, you wouldn't you throw, throw dishes uh, at it. You I mean, might you if you're Greek, and then you yell, "Opa!" <laughs> uh, I've got another one here from. Uh, uh, what's wrong with me? I don't know. From Steve, and he says, "Ellen H, are you okay if I eat this Kit Kat?" <laughs> Is our, are our listeners okay? <laughs> no. Um, they cannot see I'll you. I'll move away from the microphone. They cannot see you growing in front of my <laughs> eyes right now. 
Uh, LNH, I was thrilled to see a new podcast about trucks a couple months ago, but almost gave up on it before getting through the intro. Aww. Oh, come on, man. Fortunately, I wasn't able to get it shut off in time and realized <laughs> there was some solid content if you could get past the music. Wait a minute. You couldn't get what you couldn't reach the button? It's like, no. How lethargic are you? <laughs> says, I've binge listened over the last several weeks to get caught up and still find the intro super cringy, although Pull Up a Stool has a nice little guitar riff, and I was horrified to realize I grunt along with what's new in trucks. Pull up a stool and share. <laughs> That's for you, Steve. Uh, and he says, uh, Holman's ability to go deep in the weeds of technical details with industry insiders sets this show apart. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. says, they open up and we get a look behind the scenes instead of just another regurgitation of the press release that accompanies every new product introduction. Lightning's insight into the bank's organization is fascinating. and It's interesting to hear the difference between the companies in it for a quick buck versus those with rigorous development process. So here's a question I haven't been able to find an answer to. Funny, we just talked about this. Mm-hmm. I used to have an 8.1 liter 2500 HD. Mm. It would lurch forward when putting it in drive after a shift to four low. It would lurch forward when putting it in drive after a shift to four low. It would spin them all pretty easily with just light throttle application. If it was tied to something, it couldn't move. I've since replaced that truck with a 15 LML wait, Duramax. Wait, wait, wait. How often would he tie it to something like a tree stump a house? that wouldn't move a stump, a house? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to pull the skyscraper. <laughs> a big, heavy. I mean, <laughs> I like the 8.1. That's a great engine. Um, I've since replaced the truck with a 15 LML Duramax, and it should be an absolute torque monster in low range, but it isn't. My question is, is there a torque chop in low range, different throttle mapping, or something else at play? I pull heavy trailers and soft sand on a frequent basis, and it's always surprising me how gutless that truck is in low. I was hoping you could use your inside contacts to get an explanation. Overall, I like the truck, even if I have to steer from the passenger seat because of where they put the steering wheel. <laughs> Keep up the good work, and five stars! All right, so you said again it's an LML? It's an LML. So here's the deal. Yes to get, your go, wait, wait, wait. I want to stop for one second. Okay. For the people who are tuning in and they may not be Chevy fans, and they go like, what's an LLY, what's an LML, yep. what's an LBZ, an LMM, L5P? Can you explain real quick? Those are just the code words for different generations of Duramax engines. So and every time the Duramax why? got an upgrade, no, all GM's engines mm-hmm. all have a, a three-letter uh, engine designator. And why are the diesels L's? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't trying to put you on spot. I mean, I just I, I thought you might know. I have I have no idea why, but um, is there I, somebody we can ask in a future episode? Uh, I have a couple of people we could uh, run that question I, by. We, I, I actually get I that don't know at, who names every once in a while. I get that at work, and I ask Gail, and he's yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Same and thing. If he with, doesn't know, then we need to dig deeper. Same thing with the Jeeps. WK, WK two, KJ, KL. JK, JT, JL, and people go, well, who names those? And I, I I don't know. It's not done for marketing. It's almost like a internal designator where a-, a uh, Is that like the radio stations all west of the Mississippi have a K and all of them east of yeah, the Mississippi w. have a W? Yeah, something and, like that. And yet nobody knows why, even in radio? But but it's a it's just an engineering code that became marketable. You know, like it had nothing to do with anything on the outside of the company, outside, you know, Facing was all inside facing, but once the enthusiasts got a hold of it, they sort of sound like they were in the know, and so now they call it by the the engineering coded. But it, uh, are we are we as are we douchey for for t- calling it an LMM and an no. LML and an LOY no, that's, and an that's LFIP? Our, that's our uh, that's our vernacular right. as enthusiasts. But so the but the, the the general public, I think, still looks at the at the. Um, you know, the, the diesel on Chevy side calls it a Duramax, Duramax. Yeah, right? Because that's the one you see on the commercial. They don't go, the Duramax, yeah, L5P. Right. They don't call it that. Because right. I've even noticed that lately, like, we're taking advertisements out and stuff like that and for, for products we make for the L5P. And we yeah. go, I get, and I see the ad, I go, 
that was a dumb move. Why did we advertise an L5P? Well, because I'm guessing that 50% of the audience doesn't know that they own an L5P. That's okay, because if you put the date range and L5P, you serve well, that's, both sides. Of course, that's what we're yeah. doing now. We're doing a 2017 plus yeah. Duramax L5P. L5P. Exactly. So you covered all the bases, yeah. but just to rate L5P, now you're just a douche. I, I don't think. think so. No? No, I think that that's part of just who we are. It, no, but it's being cool guy. It, well, you we don't want to be a cool guy if you're trying to sell products. You, you just need to like, here's what it is. If you have this. It's, we, yeah, but this fits an L5P, damn it. I know, but they don't know that they have an L5P. Only half of them you. don't know that. <laughs> so, all right, so getting back to Steve's question. Yes, um, there is a torque chop in low range because when you're in low range, you're multiplying the torque through the drivetrain. And because the uh, the... Duramax diesel makes so much torque, they have to back out on the throttle mapping so that you're not breaking U-joints and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, or half shafts and 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 whatnot. So yes, uh, and then there is different throttle mapping, and there's what they call torque management too, and even in, in high range. Okay, so you know if you were to get like, let's just call it a 2018 Chevy Silverado with the, Dur- L5P, with the Duramax, Duramax, right, okay. Uh, 910 from the factory. Uh, right. So you're not getting 100% of that 910 all the time. No, not unless no. you're full throttle. But even then, right? you're not and getting And you're it. under the right conditions. In the, right, exactly, because under full you're throttle- You're on a dynamometer. <laughs> it's, it's, managing, right. it's managing the torque to make sure that you're not having wheel slip, to make sure that you're not um, yeah, hurting the driveline. Exactly. Oh, there's a lot of heat, thermal management comes into play, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So just because a manufacturer says we have this, yeah, that's their peak torque. You're not getting that all the time. I don't care who you are, because the conditions have to be right for the computer to say, it's safe for you to have this much power. Mm-hmm. Same thing when you're in low range, or the throttle mapping. Hey, you know what it's, it's no different than when you buy speakers for your home stereo or your car stereo, you know, and they say like peak 90 watts. Yeah. It's like you're you're rarely getting 90 watts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look at the RMS. That's root mean squared, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for- uh, Yeah. So that's your average. Thank you, Dr. Lightning. You got it. <laughs> and then uh, we've got one here from uh, from Chris, and uh, he says, thanks for the shirt. Send us a picture with him wearing the truck. Oh, no, podcast. let me see it. Let me see it. Oh. Okay. But right, he says, yeah, that's cool. He says, uh, now that it actually not, fits him properly, we set him the right size. <laughs> he says, Sean and Jay. By the way, Sean and Jay, which is oh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, why Why do um, they do that? Those are our proper names. <laughs> I know, I know, but we don't go by Sean and Jay. We um, go by Lightning and Holman. Uh, no, in this case, it would be Holman and Lightning, just so you know. Yeah, no, not uh, cool. Not cool at all. He says, now they've got your attention, I want to send a picture, and thank you for the shirt. Sorry, I'm not much eye candy to look at, though. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, fine. he's a fine fellow. Yeah. He says, I've emailed a few times and I've caught up on all your episodes. Have you seen us, by the way? Come dude, on. Yeah, we're no, we're no uh, prize. No. Just ask the, our wives. Who's the, who's the, who's the dude in, who's starring in Aquaman right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the, what's the uh, Momoa, right? Uh-huh. Jason Momoa? We're no Jason Momoa. No. No, not no. at all. No, we're not even a, uh, a 70-year-old George Clooney. 70? I don't know. How, how old is George Clooney now? Hey, he's got to be in his 50s, late 50s. Late 50s? Mid 50s. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we're not, we're not even, even him. Close. We're not even him in twenty years. We're not suave or debonair. No, at all. Mm. Uh, that sucks to be us. And we don't drink Nez Cafe. Uh, what is that when he promotes Nez Cafe? Yeah, something yeah. like that. I oh, saw that's right. Yeah, commercial the other day. He says, uh, "I was driving my 07 GMC half ton, pulling a car trailer with a built TJ from Northern Michigan to just shy of DC in the winter. My truck was only two wheel drive. Worst that's, mistake that's, ever. Yeah, made. but that's a cool combo. It is. He yeah. says, and I did this between two crazy snowstorms. Oh, he said two wheel drive. He says, think almost four feet of snow within two weeks at the area that doesn't get much snow at all. Mm. And all's going well when we get to our neighborhood after 13 plus hours of driving, and we get stuck on a hill a half mile from home. <laughs> it's the middle of the night, so I just knock on someone's door with a truck." to pull me the drive payment. I walked home with my wife and called a tow truck company who wouldn't come out because the hill was icy. I called the second one and left out a few details to get them out and they pulled my truck and trailer about 10 feet and I made it home. 
My wife was not happy to say the least, and I know what you're thinking. No, I couldn't get the Jeep off the trailer. After trying to get myself unstuck, the trailer was backed up against a huge snowbank, so I couldn't back out. Sorry for the long email. Thanks for the great show. Keep it up. And if you'd be so kind, a Truck Show Podcast sticker would look great on my toolbox. We I'll can send, send one, yeah. I'll send another story about how I won a free worn winch in another email. Thanks, guys. Chris. That's cool. Yeah. I love I love our listener emails. I wish we lived where we got snow. You know, I, yeah. I'm sure we would hate it. We have to drive to get snow. Yeah. We have to drive. Uh, we we are super spoiled in every yeah. possible way. But we don't get but seasons. We don't, but we don't have seasons. Um, I do. I mean, I, we could drive two hours and get seasons. In but. my parkway in front of my house, I have a crepe myrtle tree. Mm, I don't know what that is. It's uh, It has like fiery orange leaves right now. Okay. That's kind of cool. That That's is. my seasons. Yeah. That's about mm. it. No, I need <laughs> a little sometime. bit of snow. Uh, oh, here's we got one more from Eric Anderson, and he says, Lightning and Holman. There you go. Says mm, it right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thanks for reading my email on the air. I heard you guys talking about the Magellan TRX-7 on the off-road episode. I was wondering if you guys could hey, where's my Magellan, by the way? Uh, it's on the way. Yeah. Uh, it seems like majors are an iPad running LeadNav, Lowrance, or Magellan. What other options are out there? I'll be running trails from Utah to Baja. The Magellan seems to be a good option because it has a lot of trails preloaded on it. What do you guys think? In fact, we had Steve from Magellan on the last episode. So look at episode number 46, and Steve talks about the Magellan ecosystem and some of the things that I think might appeal to you, Eric. So uh, so check out 46, and you'll find out a whole lot more about Magellan. So how spoiled is he that he's going – he said he's going off-road from Utah to Baja. To Baja? That sounds awesome, by the way. What kind of trip is that? And uh, how can I get aboard? Uh, you, I can give you his email, and yeah, then you can I, I mean, send can... a creepy email back? No, I would just, hey, include me, bro. So, <laughs> would, you, would you say Brosef? <laughs> All right. And Come on, Brotato Chip. We haven't done this in a while. Uh, thank you, everybody who subscribed. And, of course, our five-star reviews on iTunes. Please keep those coming. We're up to 285, and we're 5.0 stars on iTunes. That is amazing. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day. But how is our, our – you know, how are we doing on suckage? Uh, I think our suckage is down because 273 of those are five stars. Okay. We do have four one-star reviews, though. Let's not talk about this because no, when we talk about this one stars, then we get another one. No, no, no. It's hilarious. I think people think it's a joke and they and they think it's funny to leave us a bad yeah. star. And like, it's actually not- uh, But I was really- It doesn't help us. You remember the, the first one star we got when we started this thing nine months ago? Yeah. Really and I called our, you. It hurt our feelings. And I was really bummed out. Yeah, we both were. So uh, we host through Libsyn, which is a podcast hosting service. So we'll give you a little behind the scenes here. And they have a great podcast called The Feed. And they talk to podcasters about- Things to think about when podcasting. How much tips, time pro- do you have on your hands that you're listening I, to podcasts about podcasts? I commute a lot. Oh, and yeah. sometimes yeah, I just got to. I got to learn for the show, a lot right? Of plane rides, yeah. And so here's what's kind of cool. A, uh, a podcaster had written in and said, I got my first one-star review. And Lipson loves reading one-star reviews. So if you have one, if you send it to them, they'll read it. And it's pretty funny. And the guy who uh, who's at Lipson, um, Rob Walk, he says, that's your first hero. He goes, you're not doing anything if you haven't motivated somebody to waste their time by giving you a one-star review. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a good way to look at it, right? I love turning lemons into lemonade for sure. That's lemonade. Yeah. So, uh, Well, we- look, here's the thing. You either want people to love or hate you. You do not want the middle ground because you know, we want you to obvious- – we want you to love us. Yeah. We, we, no, we're, it's going to be tough. I, w- I want to I be loved. You know what? So here's the thing. I shared your um, photo of the HD that we talked about yeah. earlier, right? Yeah. Um, I shot on the Truck Show podcast. Okay. Because um, you had posted tr- to our socials. Yep. Then I shared that to um, L5P Duramax's only Facebook page. Yep. And that's one of the ones where the guys have attitude. You sure. The whole thing. And a guy, it's kind of interesting, really positive for the most part. Guys like, hey, it's not as bad as I, as I thought the truck was going to be, blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah. blah. And another guy 
says, I think it was, he was like Jared or something. And he says, he goes, yeah, but uh, uh, I don't know if it's real. I question the source material. And I go, <laughs> and he's like, it came from a podcast with less than 2,000 likes. Oh, interesting. And I go, and I wrote back and I go, so you, I said, you're questioning the credibility of a podcast that shared a photograph because they have fewer than 2,000 likes on their Facebook page. Should, and by the way, we're up to like 1,700, so we're close. So, <laughs> right, so, but I, I think, what? We I, started at zero in what March. What a bizarre yeah. formulation he came up Did with. Did you write right? back and say, do you know who I am? And I wrote back and I said, well, something, I said something about, like, I said something about, no, I didn't say that. I didn't want to say that it was me doing it. I said, yeah. well, the guy who took the photo is a journalist and a co-host on a new podcast, and he wrote back, so there, if he was a real journalist, he wouldn't be on a podcast. As if- <laughs> Can I have his number? And can I, I went I on his Facebook him? page, Okay, and his profile, he's a he's a jet skier. Well, they don't have jet skis, so he's a wave, he's wave, on a wave runner. Okay. And he's got a, he's got a boat with like 80s graphics on okay. it, right? He's wearing, because um, he's got his, his uh, life vest on, uh -huh. and he's got a silver chain necklace. So he's he's from east of the Mississippi somewhere, right? Because you don't know, people in the West Does Coast he have don't the wear those necklaces unless collared, it's Persian. The collared cotton shirt, and when he drives his boat out of Miami, uh, it's only buttoned partially and his belly button hernia is sticking so out. So here's the thing. No, he didn't have that, but <laughs> okay. he was a fit guy, and he was just total... He was bro, right? He was super bro, and he was just, why did he want to hate? Yeah. It was so bizarre that rather than comment on the photo and the and what the yeah. content comment of the photo, on the source. he wanted to bust the source because he didn't like the fact that there was a podcast- That shared it. Talking about trucks that he maybe is passionate about or whatever. Yeah. And he, he has a new Duramax truck. It's so And funny. it's like- it's so weird that he would grab it, and I was trying, to, and I was going to go at him. Yeah. I was going to go right to his <laughs> necklace, and I was going to go right to, and I and I was going to go. I there's nothing more that I personally love than when someone busts you for something yeah. stupid, and then you light them. Oh, up. Oh, dude, all yeah. you got to do. Oh, so there was another guy. This is a good one. Guy goes on. Um, I post something, and um, a guy lights us up and says that's BS and blah blah blah. And he, oh, and really? Like, yeah, and he lights us up for something, and I go on his page and his and his. Um, the first photo I see is him posing with his fiance, and he has a, sh a, a shirt on, and it says peace with the peace symbol on it. Okay. And I'm like, this is like you. This is this is like the gangster in South Central LA <laughs> blasting up the neighborhood with the with the cross on his with a gold yeah, cross right. on his neck. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. oh, I'm all about the Lord and Savior, yeah. and I'm blasting up the neighborhood with my 45. <laughs> like, what is that about? And so this guy is. He's going at it for no reason. He just, just has trolling. the same at. He's yeah. trolling, and he's got a shirt on. This is peace. I'm like, what? You're the ultimate douche. What? I'm posting something. I didn't go. It was just I was stating. I don't remember where the post was. It yeah. was just matter of fact. It's like here's the news, such and such. Yeah. I'm just presenting it to the world. He's yeah. like, that's bogus. It's BS. Blah blah blah. And I go, you're wearing shirt. This is peace. peace and you're, you're, you're out you are anything people. Yeah. but peace. Yeah. You're anything but love and understanding. But that's the internet world we live in, you know? And it's funny. It's like, we're just, we said this before, we're just two truck enthusiasts having fun talking to other truck enthusiasts. And we happen to have a podcast because it's a cool way to Isn't tell people what's up. amazing that, that's that like, 
I know for certain this dude, the first guy on the jet ski, is a Joe Rogan fan. Oh, you yeah. know I, that this yeah. guy is like, I know podcasts. And yeah, but you're not, Joe Rogan has more than 2,000. No, you're no podcaster. Yeah. You're no Joe Rogan. Blah, blah. Listen, by the way, I do know Joe Rogan. Uh-huh. In my cell phone, I have his cell phone number. Can we call him and put him He's on He's not going to come on our show. <laughs> um I may have already asked him. <laughs> I will say this. No, I actually didn't ask him. And I'm not, I wouldn't, because this is not, he's not into cars or trucks or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. But here's the thing. Because we booked him on my morning show that I worked at a K-Rock in LA, I don't know, 50 times, maybe more. He did stand-up charity events for us all the time. Joe Rogan is a really rad dude. But a lot of the people that listen to him are just super freaking bro because they found him either through stand-up com- comedy yeah. or through MMA because yeah. he's been the host right. for yeah, UFC of course, forever. Of I don't know. And um, All right, so here's the deal. I'm going to make you happy. Oh, well, you've already brought me a chocolate bar. How do you... Okay, and I brought I'm, you cookies and yeah, Dr. Okay. Pepper. Yeah, okay. I'm going to make myself happy because we're getting a fridge in this place. But that's a whole other story. What? Dometic is yeah. going to be giving us a fridge for the Truck Show Would podcast. Dometic, the company that makes like the like, one that I had in my RV? Like, yes. Okay. They make like the Overland fridges that you see? Wait a minute. We're getting I one for the Truck Show podcast. Were, this is all kind of coming together now. Wait, this is all coming together. They had a big display at SEMA. Yes, they did. And so my, they're making a play for the Overland market? Well, yeah, they, they've owned that. They actually private label other people's uh, fridges. Oh. And now they're going out as Dometic. And uh, they've always made a great product. And mm-hmm. I've got a friend over there. And uh, may have you know, did a little horse trading. Okay. And we're going to have cold Dr. Pepper in the studio. What kind of trading did you do? What did you give that? Yeah, don't worry about it. We're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna have, we're gonna have them on to talk about fridges here in the future. But let's get to our I want to make you feel better. Like okay. I feel like we went down a dark hole with this one-star review stuff. Okay. Check this out. Alaska Ski-Doo. Mm-hmm. He says, I have listened to your podcast from the very first episode. For the last year, I was deployed overseas. I look forward to your show every week. I'm now home in Alaska. I have an O2 F250 7.3 and a 96 F250 7.3 project truck. Loving the diesel coverage. Keep up the great work. Five stars! Sweet. And he, what does he do? Uh, said, he was in the military. No, no, no. Before that, you said what's his what's his 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 uh, his handle? Oh, Alaska Ski Doo. Ski Doo. So he's a snowmobiler. <laughs> so I was gonna say snowmobiler. Yeah. He's my man right there. And then we've got uh, Damien uh, wrote. I subscribed to several automotive related podcasts over the past few weeks. I've been binge listening to every episode. I'm finally caught up, and the truck show is hands down my favorite. Sweet. Thanks for all the great info and entertainment. I look forward to all the new episodes. Hashtag yeah, yeah. buddy. Yeah, buddy. That's the real one right there. And Damien leaves us five stars. Sweet. So I think we're all caught up on emails. We didn't get to all the uh, inbox, but we'll do that on our next episode. Yep. Um, I think that's it. I think we covered a lot of ground today. We did. I feel pretty good about it. I got some of that stuff off my chest. And this is both our last show of the year and the first show of next year, because I think it's uh, New Year's Eve. So we're right in the edge right there. Ah, We are, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. Are you feeling good about 2019? I am. I I am excited for 2019. I, I have seen the schedule, and we have a <laughs> lot of great guests already uh, lined yes. up for the first like six episodes. And I thought it'd be fun to just pull what our top five episodes of 2018 were. And so we'll count down five through one, just like the New Year's countdown. Okay, and we're counting down our best shows? Be- yeah, the most downloaded episodes. That's kind of self-serving, don't you think? No, it'll tell people which ones were the most popular. Oh, Other people are wondering, I right? do like this. Then. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we start with uh, number five on the list. Number five. Number five. Okay. Number five is what show? Episode 20, and that one is Aaron Kaufman, the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also had Return of the Ranger in it. 
Oh, Return of the Ranger. Okay, Aaron Kaufman. Dude's super strong. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. I thought it would rank a little higher, but okay. All right. So now it's- But we've f- had so many great guests. Yeah, we have had a lot of great guests. We have been- uh, We had said kind of a- We're very spoiled when it comes to guests. We've had some great ones. I guess we are a little more connected than maybe we, we, we thought we were. No, we're not. Oh. We're just lucky. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is number four. Okay. Number four. Okay, time for you to review number four. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. That's well, why, but, but the drums are still the, going. Well, the, they, these drums were really long, so just go ahead. Uh, the Galeisode, that would be uh, episode 19. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, so yeah. So Galeisode, that was very highly uh, reviewed and uh, rated by a lot of our He's uh, made two appearances, one at SEMA. Yeah. Yep. And uh, this would be the, uh, the first that one. Yeah. Right, what was the second one? The second one was... Uh, it was, again, at SEMA. Do you know the number? Or It yeah. was one of our five SEMA shows. Yeah. Wait, did we have five or six SEMA shows? We had shows? five SEMA shows. Okay. Because we are insane. <laughs> we did and it's a funny because a lot of people are like, you did how many? We did one a day because yeah. I don't know. Why would we do that? Because why not? Yeah. And they've all done amazingly well. Great. It's, it's been awesome. All right. So now we're at number three. Number three. You ready for number three? Number three is. This is our third best show of the year. Episode 12. Which is... Roadkill's Mike Finnegan Talks Trucks. Oh, yeah. Good call. Good call. Right? Okay. All right. All right. So then now we're up to number two. Which is one of my personal favorites. Number, number two. two. And number two is... Episode 33. The second best show we've done. Freiburger is back in the infamous Viper Truck. Ooh, yeah. That was a good one. That was one. a great was episode. Okay. All right. And now the number one, the best podcast we've done to date. The most downloaded truck show podcast of 2018. Number one. Episode number five. Mm-hmm. Roadkill's Fireburger, which yes. is the first time he came on. Is that the one where he revealed the beef between um, him the and the tensions between yes. he and the guys at Fast and Loud? Uh, yes. Yeah, that is the one. I was riveted to the answer of my own question. Were you now? I was, because I had always, I was a fan of both Roadkill and Fast and Loud, and when they came together, I could tell something was amiss, and nobody ever talked about it, and he revealed it on this podcast. It was uh, it was pretty cool, and uh, you know what's awesome is, if you look at our list of shows, mm-hmm. they're all over the place. It's not the ones that have the longest soak time. It's not the ones that have, you know, the... Uh, would you call it soak time? Yeah, like like some of them have been out for fifty weeks, mm-hmm. and you'd think that the longer they're out, like you by that gauge, the first shows we did would be the most popular, right? But it's not. People are finding things that uh, that they like, which interesting. is interesting. They're going cool. through and they're cherry picking. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of that. going I don't know on. if I'm comfortable with that. I want you guys to listen to all of them. And oh, by the way, uh, the Gale episode, mm-hmm. and the second time he was on Steam, that's number 37 for those of you who are interested in uh, in following up with Gale for uh, his second performance. Well, that's where he kind of revealed what we were doing with the diff cover program at Banks. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, that yeah. was a great conversation. He he sat down with us for, for quite a while there. I thought so, too. So is that it? Is that is that enough for this one? Is our last one of our last 2018 one of the, and I, our first one of 2019? I think we delivered. Yes. I think we delivered. And happy new year, everybody. Thanks for uh, taking this ride with us. Have a... Have a safe New Year's Eve, and uh, we'll see you next year. Yeah, shoot us uh, an email. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. And don't forget to check in on our socials at Truck Show Podcast, or visit our uh, new landing page, motortrend.com slash 
Truck Show podcast. And head to your Nissan dealer to check out the best truck with the best warranty. Five-year, 100,000 miles, the Nissan Titan XD is my personal fave. Or pick up a standard Titan. Oh, yeah. Or how about a Frontier? Yes. Or a Nissan NV? Yes. And don't forget the Titan has, you know what? Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Best in the business. Absolutely. And if you buy that brand-new Nissan truck, be sure to drive straight to a shop and install a decked system because you don't want all that stuff rattling around in there. I mean, there's a great tie-down system in the back of the Nissan trucks, but you can improve it with a decked system. Well, you know, just having a place for all that stuff you have in your bed. No longer is everything rolling around. you got these nice lockable, weatherproof, dustproof, waterproof drawers. Nobody can steal your stuff. Right. And you still have 2,000 pounds of load carrying capability on top of your deck system. And by the way, not just for Nissan trucks. Deck makes it for all popular trucks, vans, small trucks, big trucks. Go ahead and check out deck.com. For those seeking a monitor, only the brand new GTX Watchdog is now available for Dodge Cummins. and has a full 5-inch color display with a captive touch. It's quick to start and magnetic mount allows you effortlessly Yeah, buddy! <laughs> You're welcome.